0: Have you guys ever do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima. Oh. Zima's. Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join yes. us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world.
1: The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. You're listening to Voice of Survival Podcast Ladies and gentlemen your host Nate Phillips What's up ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Voice of Survival Podcast. This is episode 23. As the introduction said, I am your host Nate Hope everybody's doing well this Friday. We are here. We have a very special guest who is one of the few members of the Journey into Comics Network family that has yet to officially be interviewed on this show until today. We're changing that up. But also, in a weird turn of events, this is not his first appearance on the show as he hosted the show back in April, as strange as that is. So welcome to the show from Podcastrophy, Tyler McLaughlin. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I've had... uh... A
0: rough, like a really good week with a rough couple of days, and this podcast is long overdue. You know, we've been trying to get it done for a couple months now. So,
1: yes, it also is cool because it opens up avenues to do other of our podcasts. Like, my wheels are already turning. Like, ooh, journey into comic stuff. What's right. going on? Like, we, you, we need to get into that.
0: You know, it's a miracle. Uh, I, I finally bought a computer after not having one for nine years. So. It's like you did good, man. I I called you the other night just to make sure that I remembered how to use a computer, and (laughs) I was like, wow, I figured out Skype. You know, I'm moving up in the world, but I'm gonna be going back to school and shit. So I need I had to. It was time I got a computer.
1: Dude, you're going through like a bunch of changes right now. All of a sudden, yep. Like I don't even know if we want to necessarily start there. We totally can, but like um, when I met you. We know each other through podcasting, Brando, Mike and the guys from Subaru, all right. kind of picked you up really the first time I heard your name was through Dick cuz Dick's like there's this guy and I'm going to get him on my fucking show and he's going to be my co-host. I don't know if he knows it or not, but he's going to be my fucking co-host and I'm like, "Oh, well I, if if you vouch for him, he must be a great dude, you know? Like I'm not really sure." And then we met and you know, I think at first you were a little bit like calm, cool, Quiet, you weren't like super exuberant like you are, well, I and like to be uh, professional, you know, yeah, I, yeah, you were just like feeling out the situation like you should, you know. Th- there's, not a, like...
0: there's a lot of my personality that you know, the best way to describe me as a person is I'm very abrasive. You know, I, I can be an asshole, but I can also be the nicest person in the world. It all just depends on what kind of uh, vibe you're you're sending my direction, and totally. If, You know, when I was a kid, I was raised in a a, kind of a really weird environment. But, you know, everyone is told when they're a kid, well, you need to respect your elders. And I never that never vibed with me. If you show me respect, I'm going to give you respect because you're earning my respect by giving me a little bit. Now, if you respect me and then I I truly know that you're a piece of shit, I'm not going to give you, you know, oh, shit.
1: Oh, I'm still here. Oh, I'm not gone.
0: I had a stupid pop-up, pop-up.
1: Oh, a pop-up, Damn pop-up. Up. That's uh that's the most 2000s thing you could say on right? a podcast.
0: Like I said, I haven't had a computer since 2009, so this is weird <laughs> still. But uh yeah, so I I just any more, you know, I I'm not old by any means, but now that I'm I'm getting close to that big 30, um I've learned to kind of keep my mouth shut when I meet people.
1: Feel out the situation.
0: Right, because I don't, I don't want to be so boisterous and over the top like I used to be and just instantly remove people from my life. It could be really cool, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, I feel It's interesting that you say that because I definitely the same way. I'm 31 now, and when I was in my early to mid-20s, I was definitely that very exuberant out there, just in-your-face guy, like, hey, what's up? I'm so happy to meet you. Like, how's it going, man? Let's party, you know, or whatever. Right. And and now, like, it's weird, too, because now the more things I've done out in the world, the more, like, closed in I feel. Like, I have, like, really bad anxiety about seeing people and stuff now, you know? Like, even even in normal like life situations sometimes i'm like oh man i don't want to i don't want to fucking go see any human being any human person right so totally to you i feel the same thing when meeting new people i'm a little bit i'm like friendly but i'm not who i am i guess is the way to say it it's like a a soft version of me
0: well and you know when i was a kid my grandma always used to say there's too much meanness in the world and you know like any young kid or teenager i just ignored it you know i'm on top of the world i'm invincible you know just typical naive kid but now it's like i'm to the point where i'm almost uh i almost want to put the wall up because i don't want to be taken advantage of you
1: totally know?
0: and i and i'll get into to why i've started to be like that a little bit later in the show but You know, I've been fucked over a lot, and I I take care of people that take care of me. And if you're going to go out of your way to fuck me over, you got to be a pretty bad fucking piece of shit.
1: Totally. I don't think—my first impression of you was, like I said, you were just really soft. You came off as this, like— like gentle guy who was just like I'm gonna fill out the room and just be patient, but like when we started talking and vibing on nerdy shit, I knew I knew exactly who you are as a person. Right, and it's really cool because you're one of the few people, and not that we have to spend any amount of time on this, you're one of the few people who maybe in certain aspects we don't always see eye to eye, but like I respect the fuck out of you as a person. Be and like it doesn't even matter because when you Say your opinion or your view, you never come across as, no, I'm fucking right. You say, here's how I see it. Take what you will. You know what I'm saying? And right. that's a that's a thing that not a lot of people even know how to handle anymore.
0: Well, and that means a lot from you, especially because your political views and my political views are 100% polar opposites 90% of the time. And, you know. That was a
1: great, totally made-up stat, by the way. Right. Thank
0: you. I mean, <laughs> You know, whether one of us is wrong on one hand or the other, it doesn't really matter. The fact is that I know I can sit down and have a conversation with you, especially about politics, Um, you know, especially with all the shit going on right now in our political climate. And I know it's not going to turn into a screaming match. You know, it goes back to the respect thing that I was just talking about. Absolutely. If you show me enough respect to let me voice my opinion, I have no incentive to not let you voice your opinion. You know, I I unfortunately I didn't get to be on my own show this week. Um, but I complimented Miranda on her ability to form an opinion and back her opinion up because we're to the point now in society where people form opinions they don't have to justify them whatsoever. You hit the nail on the head. My opinion is is fact. It is right. And then then, then they, they don't want to discuss why their opinion may or may not be wrong.
1: And you then know? really their opinion is like um, the thing that I think bothers me the most about the current like climate of the world we live in are headline chasers. People that just post because the headline and they don't think about what's in the article or they don't actually read what's beyond the text because sometimes those headlines are so misleading. They are clickbait for right. a reason. They are Absolutely. trying to get you in their visual so they get numbers. It's a fucking game. We're all playing it.
0: Yep. And and I'm guilty of it just like anybody. You know, a lot of times I'll read clickbaity headlines, and then it will make me chuckle, so I'll share it. And then it's like, oh, shit. I'm Didn't calm- read and- between the lines. Yeah, oh, you fuck. know, I'm contributing to the problem because I'm doing exactly what I'm bitching about doing, you know.
1: It's- yeah, and sometimes people can get caught in that thing where, like, I share stuff sometimes and I don't say anything because I'm not, I don't even have an opinion yet. I just want to see what everybody else's fucking opinion is and see like what the view is really in our world. Cause sometimes I post stuff that's like, you see crazy videos and you can't believe half the shit you see. I mean, sometimes you can, but other times you can't. And I'm a part time conspiracy theorist, I think. I'm not, I'm definitely not full time. Right. So I, I, you have to be leery of everything, but I just try to like, one thing I, I again appreciate about you is you definitely bring facts to back up what you're saying. I try you're like, go to here, anyway. read this, you know, and, and I love that. And another thing that's cool is that like the reason that your opinion is how you see it, and I I will never be able to change that, and vice versa, is because our journeys, and this is the whole reason for the show today, our journeys are so different. Right? You've lived a life that I literally in no chance could ever imagine going through like i i don't even know your full story but the bits and pieces i've got from listening on podcast podcastrophy because i'm an avid fan of that show we always i don't give a fuck that it's on uh, my network we always
0: appreciate the pod daddy coming and blessing the show
1: man yesterday i got caught up i watched the whole entire live stream because i was so baffled that miranda was on and she just slayed across the board yeah miranda did a good job like, I don't, I don't mean to just like all of a sudden offshoot brag. That's not why we're here. But where does your journey actually like start? I guess is like, are you born in Indiana? Is this just a happenstance of a place you ended up or?
0: So I was born in Augsburg, Germany. Um My mom and dad were both in the service. Uh, my mom's from Lafayette. My, my mom's family's from Indiana. My dad's family's from Virginia. And, uh. So my parents met in the military. I was born at the hospital my mom worked at in Germany. Um, I lived in Germany for almost four years, and then my parents decided to split up. And during that time frame, my dad, my mom and dad both had to PCS back to um, Virginia. So that's a personnel change of station. So, normally, every three to five years, the military forces you to move. You know, if you want to be promoted or continue your career, like, here, move here, and then...
1: Go up the ladder. You're literally going up the ladder by where people open up the position.
0: Correct. So, and it it keeps you fresh in your career. That's why they do it. Um, But anyway, so we went back to Virginia, and then my parents split up. My dad decided to stay in the military, and my mom got out. Um... My dad actually won full custody of me, and my and the judge that presided over the case gave my mom no contact. So my mom was to never see me again, ever, because my mom's a piece of shit. And um, so my dad, being a single parent in the military, going back overseas, possibly being deployed, you know, there was the, during that time period, it was the Bosnia-Kosovo you know, it was the Clinton administration. So we were doing everything in Eastern Europe that we could. Um, and then obviously right after operation desert storm. So we've got a manifest destiny everywhere. Exactly, and, um, yeah. so my dad gave my mom joint custody, agreed to joint custody, knowing that my mom would dump me off on her parents, knowing that I would have a safe place to live where I could get a good education, and then I would just spend half of the year with him. So I'd do
1: 50-50. Okay, so he ultimately, for you, probably made a tough choice that fucking wrecked him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a parent now. I'm sure you emotionally envision having to make that same kind of decision. Right. It just is not even a, a, a thought. You can't even think about Well, and like it's that. one of the
0: things that I preach about on Podcast Free, just when I talk about people— just American, the American populace, our quality of life, the way, why we are the way that we are. And one thing, you know, Blaine, two weeks ago on the show, talked about how when he was a teenager, he was already thinking about getting married and having a family. And I think I started to go down my version of that, and I got sidetracked. But when I was a teenager, it was the complete opposite. It was... I don't want a family. My view of family is very different than most people's just because of the way that I was raised. And um I'm going to guess no- you have I-
1: more of a like a pack mentality. It's right. not necessarily by blood. Nope. It's by your pack and who you can trust. Yes. I fucking family told, I, it, Family yes. Does,
0: is is not tied by blood. Fam- your family is who you choose your family to be.
1: I think there's a great quote and I've I've definitely uh I've definitely used this as my mantra my whole life. Uh, blood makes you related, loyalty makes you family. Absolutely. And uh, man, like you can't you can't speak truer words because I mean your journey. It's funny because I'm learning your journey. You full custody with your dad, single parent. I had full custody. My dad had full custody of me, single parent. Like to- to- totally different paths. So because your dad's like being a fucking superhero essentially mm-hmm. and going and, and like fighting for our country uh and he makes this decision like okay we're gonna we're gonna get joint custody were you old enough and aware that that was happening no. and like so you didn't even have a fucking say It I was already no idea. in okay so i guess I guess that this is a tough question, but back it up a little bit. I'm sure we're going to learn more. Mm -hmm. But you said that your dad gets full, free, and clear custody because your mom is, quote, a piece of shit. What defines that and and, and what what things are going on that, is this maybe things that led to their divorce, is the person she is and that type of thing?
0: So my dad describes my mom as the best friend and best drinking buddy he ever had. Worst mom ever. You know, that's not his exact words, but the first part of it is. So the perfect story, my dad would talk about when I was a teenager, he would talk about uh, my dad won Soldier of Europe like three times in his early career. Uh, My dad was pretty well respected in, in his community. And my dad would work really long hours and come home um, and my mom would be passed out on the couch and I'd been screaming for hours or, um, she had been like, my dad would work. If he would have night duty, he would come home at, you know, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. And my mom had been binge drinking all night. And then my dad would have to stay up all day with me and then go back to duty that night. So my dad was pulling, you know, pretty much 24 hour days when I was a real little kid while my mom binge drank, and, you know, as I got a little bit older, older, she would, like, steal my Ridlin and shit like that, you know, just, just not, a, and my mom is not a bad person, I, later in life, I reconciled with my mom for a couple of years, um, after her seventh DUI, she got clean, uh, miraculously got her driver's license back, which doesn't make any sense, you know, but, uh, I thought three
1: strikes and you were out, but that's re- for yeah. another time. Yeah, fair enough.
0: But uh, so she, so we reconciled. She got clean, and then, you know, not even a year into us actually being in contact again, she started drinking again. And I was like, you know what? If you want to reach out and and be in contact with me, you can. I am not going to make effort to be in your life because you've never made effort to be in my life, and. Um, for the most part, both of my parents, neither one of them raised me. So now that I'm a parent, they are living vicariously through my kid. You know, they didn't get to raise me, so now they want to be involved in my kid's life more than they were involved in my life. So I'm a lot less uh, judgmental of a person now. I'm a lot less cynical of a person now, so I obviously let them be involved in my kid's life, but you know when I when I was a teenager, especially, and I hate I I'm sorry, I keep jumping around, but no, we, we this is how we do it on the show, man. You have to jump around because when it's... when I was a teenager, I told myself, no one will ever raise my kids, but me. I don't care what I have to do. I will raise my kids if I have them. And I also told myself that my mom would never ever see any of my children. My mom would not be at my wedding. She was done and out of my life for good. Um, through all of the shit that I've been through, I've learned that, and you know, you see the corny, uh, you've got to forgive those people, shit. But through all of the depression and the anxiety and the ups and downs that I've that I've had in my life, I've realized that you truly do have you don't you don't forget, but you have to let that shit go. Otherwise, those people truly do have power over you for the rest of your life and that's that's not how you want to live that's not how anyone should have to live
1: so i think that's an anxiety-ridden life mm -hmm. because you're already so
0: anxiety-ridden anyway you know exactly
1: exactly because you get put in a situation where like it's again it's so crazy how similar our stories are i have drama with my mom we've had falling outs on and off and I've just recently tried to reconcile with her you know she's recently a grandparent and trying to be a better person around my nephew now so Mm -hmm. uh, the similarities are just it's shocking you know but like you have to know when toxicity is there and if you if you can just be brave enough to cut it out sometimes that hurts yep sometimes I look back on years of my life and I'm like man I didn't I didn't spend time with my mom doing anything like at all. So I don't have that. I don't really know what that like closeness that some people share with their mom is. Um, So I know exactly where you're coming from. So with your mom, I was going to add that there's a point to this. I was going to kind of ask that because I noticed with my mother that when my nephew was born, she kind of changed. She Mm -hmm. became more like emotionally aware it's like it sobered her up that, that, that the picture is even further than her now. Like, you know what I'm saying? So did that same kind of thing happen with your mom where you could almost see her change a little bit and it was like, oh, okay, damn it, like, It, it okay. It was,
0: I had to look really hard to see it because the, the the perfect descriptor for my mom is she's an 18-year-old trapped in a 40-year-old's body. You know, she's got the let's party and drink all day and I don't really, I, I really don't have to go to work tomorrow. They're not going to fire me kind of mentality. And my mom has always had this ability. She gets really, really good jobs. Like she's had a dozen careers in her life. Damn. And every time she fucks it up and she gets another one. I don't know. I don't know how she does it, which just compounds, you know, it, it just enables her to keep doing what she's doing
1: because she's uh, never been, like, kicked to the bottom and had right. to find out. Well, e-
0: even, you know, she went to jail for a, a long time, like over a year, and that's how she got sober. And then she, she it still didn't make her change, truly. You know, <sighs> sitting in a concrete box for a year doesn't make somebody change. You know, I always say you can't change somebody's beliefs because that's somebody's beliefs, and it's not your right to change you know unless it's unless it's a belief system that's doing somebody harm it's not exactly. your right to change it um but alcoholism i don't believe alcoholism is a disease i believe it's a choice there's science that says otherwise but i've i've lived it most of us have lived it you choose to pick that bottle up and you choose to stick that needle in your arm and shit like that no one ever made you do it you chose to do it you open the door to addiction, you know? So, And I'm there are sa-
1: telltale signs of people early on, and I'm sure we'll get into this, that are... It's telltale early. I could tell you people that I know in my life who have addictive personalities, like, for example, this tot- it's going to sound totally mundane to start, but Dick from Podcastrophy. God help him if he ever got hooked on a hard drug. Yeah. Because guess what? He would be addicted. Oh, and yeah. And he would not have any way out, nope. you know? But... He's smart enough not to make the fucking choice. That's right. He goes, you know what? I think that would be a pretty stupid fucking move for me to do. I'm the same way.
0: I am exactly the same way.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, back where we at here. We're going to backpedal to... So your dad agrees, because he's got to keep going, jumping back and forth. You're like six months with him, six months without. Yep. You're essentially dumped off to your mom's parents or your grandparents. Correct. Half of the year, every year, raising you.
0: So that's the way it originally was supposed to play out. And then it went to, I would spend uh, end of the summer, the fall, wintertime, and spring here. And then I would spend just all of the summer with my dad. So... I got to see my dad 3 months out of the year and it it worked out because it gave me a lot of experience in my life that most people don't get. You know, I've I've got to travel the world because of that. Um so there is like always I, like I said, I'm not I'm not so cynical anymore. There's there's positives in any every situation you just got to look for them or look at them from a different perspective. Um, I've traveled to most of Europe, uh, almost made it into the Middle East, but was told I wasn't allowed to go. And I'm glad I didn't go cause I probably wouldn't have been able to come back. Um, really? Yeah. So my dad, my dad was going to go on a business trip to Azerbaijan and I was originally supposed to go with him. And then like two weeks, two weeks before we were supposed to leave, there was, uh, like an American kidnapped there and then my dad shut that shut that down and me he still had to go but he wouldn't let me go with him <laughs> he's like uh, not a fucking chance nope you know when you've got when you're in a, when you're a white American in the Middle East uh you you're you're very easily recognized and then when you have children with you that makes you that much more of a of an easy target you know
1: Absolutely, it's so, a vulnerability. Right. It's much it's much like the ideology of the supervillain, you mm-hmm. know. Easiest way to kill the hero is through people he loves. That's right. So you attack people oh, where
0: they're their weakest.
1: Man, so he says, No fucking shot, we're not doing that. Nope. He goes and comes back successfully, right. I'm guessing. Yep. Uh what did you do in that time? Did you have like a sitter or somebody that was I mean, you were with him? I hung out with my evil stepmother. Ooh, I didn't know you had a stepmom. I have an evil stepmother. Still to this so day. She's not so evil
0: anymore, but when I was a when I was a kid, she was evil.
1: Actually evil or just mean because she didn't let you have your way?
0: Actually evil.
1: Okay, let's let's hear about it. Let's break okay, it down. Okay, so
0: my uh my stepmom, she's from East Germany. So she grew oh, up wow. on the, she grew up on the eastern side of the wall. Um her dad was uh a Nazi. Whoa. Yeah. Um Holy shit. He he's actually he's actually a really cool dude. Um, You've met him? Yeah, I've met him. He's he's a, he's a really cool dude and it gave me an interesting perspective because, you know, we learn so little about true history going through school when we're kids anyway. When you actually get to meet someone from a different time period that's is <sighs> a bad word like um that has some notoriety. You know, anybody anybody that, that that's a, a fucking Nazi's notorious, you know? Y- y- you think about yeah. a Nazi today. Well, your your first inclination is, well, they're bad fucking people. Well, some of the Nazis were just soldiers doing what they were told.
1: Now, that, that doesn't justify what they did.
0: Totally. Um, but I get
1: what you're saying because, I mean, there are people now currently, there was a guy, he was the head of ICE, the uh, immigration, mm-hmm. I don't remember, I don't know what the fuck it means, but or can't remember right now, but, uh, he resigned today. Oh really? Because he's like, he, he can't, you know, he couldn't spread the falsehoods of this administration anymore is how he worded his resignation. Uh, so yeah. Uh, back to it. So, um, he,
0: he wasn't at, you know, concentration camps or anything like that. He was just, he was just just more one of the guys. Yeah. He was just, he was just doing what he was ordered to do. Um, but yeah, you know, when I was a kid, he was a really he, I had some really cool conversations with that guy, but back to my stepmom. So she grew up on the eastern side of the wall, which was Russian occupied, not a very good place to live. Um you know, people from East Germany were trying to move into Western Germany every day and they would be shot, you know, trying to cross the wall or trying to And there's a place in Berlin called Checkpoint Charlie. It was the American uh, kind of post that was set up to divide each side of the wall. And then, I mean, because we were still doing shit on both sides of the wall. So the Russians had to let us in. We had to, you know, back and forth. But there's a museum on each side of the wall in Berlin, east and west. And the Western Germans grew up in... Prosperity, and and, you know it was still rough post-war, but they had all of the Western privilege. And then you look at if you go over to the museum for the Eastern side, they grew up in extreme poverty. The Russians treated them extremely bad, um, you know, because they were just killing them not that long ago. So it's a it's a really if you ever travel abroad and you ever go to Germany and you go to Berlin. The first thing we'll recognize is Berlin... 90% of the city is covered in graffiti. It's kind of a shithole. But there's sections of the Berlin Wall that are still standing... And that's important... Because that's something that we need to remember. You know... We divided a nation... For... Fucked up reasons... To punish them... For all the fucked up shit that we did... Or that they did... And then... Half of them had good lives... And the other half were basically... Slaves... You know, yeah, but, and uh, it's
1: crazy because I know I remember when I was in school growing up, you would hear that there were the stories of people like hiding under the car to try to get from one side to the next and yep. shit. And so she, your stepmom, had kind of lived through some shit. Actually, it hardened her. She was she
0: was really little uh, for the majority of the the Russian occupation I'll, is how I'm going to word it. But you know, when she was a teenager, there was still the wall had came down when she was a teenager. Or, you know, shortly, in her late teens, the wall came down. So there was still, I mean, it was still, East Germany was still shitty. So she had a rough childhood, and then when she met my dad, my mom, who is batshit crazy, uh, was threatening them and trying to do shit to them all the time and threatening my dad. And my my stepmom hates my mom to this day. And she took that out on me as a kid. So
1: resentment um, by proxy because she couldn't she couldn't physically show her disdain for your mother to your mother. Yep. So and you took were a representation of your mom.
0: Yep. So um, and you know while I was there, I took time away from her. You know, I spent time with my dad. I was there for the summer. I wanted to do shit with my dad, but my dad still had to work. So my dad would go to base during the day, and I would be at home with my stepmom. And it's like, well, I'm gonna go hide in my room for six hours. You know, I don't do anything
1: but be around her.
0: Right. I I would do anything to get away from her. And um, when when my dad was stationed in Spain the first time, there there is hundreds and hundreds of things for kids to do all day every day so i would ride my bike to the pool and you know i would go um the base that he was stationed at it's, it's in uh, a city called rhoda it's one of the biggest naval bases in spain I actually yeah it's still it's still uh, it's still active um but they had a movie theater on base that was free everything was free except concessions so oh, all I had awesome. to do was walk in and pay, and they were affordable concessions, like two bucks for a popcorn.
1: Like actual cost of the shit?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I would go, you know, if, if I didn't want to hang out with her during the day, I would ride my bike on base and, you know, grab a bite to eat and watch a movie. And the next day I would ride a couple miles up. They, My dad always lived off base. He never lived on base in, in on-base housing, so I would always have to ride a bike somewhere. And public transportation in Europe is is fantastic. If we had public transportation here, we wouldn't have to deal with half of the shit that we have to deal with. But it totally. And it was weird for me for a long time growing up. You know, I would ride the train by myself, places, and all kinds of shit when I was over there, and I would come back here and it's like, Well, we've got some corn. Looks like some soybeans over there. Looks like and that some guy's more doing more corn, meth, you know. But uh <laughs> guy's um, doing meth. Right. <laughs> but uh, so they they had this they built this like million dollar pool for uh servicemen and their families to utilize off base which is unheard of. They don't they don't typically do stuff like that because it's a security hazard. It's not secured on base so they can't they can't effectively they're not going to they're not going to post people to guard it, you know. Yeah, totally. So, but I would ride my bike up there and shit and they had like a kids center where teenagers would go and play video games and They would do cookouts and I would do organized sports during the summertime while I was there and shit like that. So I always had shit to do, you know, but if I if I was ever around her, it was like Cinderella and her stepmom. You know, you don't mean anything. You're just here for a little while and then you'll be gone again and your dad will forget about you. And that that wore on me for a long time when I was a kid because my dad, one thing that I can never take away from my dad is my dad always gave me the choice. I could move and live with him full-time any time that I wanted to, and that's a little bit of a cop-out for him because he never had to make that decision. Um, you did. I. He put that decision on me, which a, a child should never have to make that kind of decision. They should have the ability, but they shouldn't have to be made to. Um, so... And once I became an adult, I told him why I never, you know, he knew my stepmom and I didn't get along. And and he knew the whole story behind that. And I told him when I was a teenager, I said, I'm never going to make you choose, but I'm never going to let you forget how she made me live or how she made me feel, you know, whenever you weren't, whenever you weren't around. And whenever I was there, they would fight a lot. You know, it, it put a lot of stress on their marriage for a long time. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything, you know, I was just there.
1: It wasn't like you were getting into trouble. You just existed and that was creating tension for her.
0: I mean, I always got into trouble, but I was smart enough to never get caught. So, you know, I was, yeah, right. (laughs) But, um, so kind of lost my train of thought. So I, I I told him I, I would never, never let him forget how she treated me. But then I sat him down a couple years ago. I went to visit him. He lives in uh, Houston, Texas now. I went to visit visit him for uh, nine days. And she and my younger sister were both in Germany visiting her family. So I had my dad for nine days straight. It was just me and my dad. And I've never had that. My entire life, it's never just been my dad and I for a very long period of time. Um, So we got to, you know drink good booze, and relax by the pool, and, and, and really hash some shit out, and he's, and we, we got on the topic of me living, growing up here, and he said, well, you always had a choice, and I said, I always had a choice, yeah, but you, you don't know why I never made the choice, besides my stepmom, my mom obviously wasn't involved in my life, uh, my mom's dad passed away when I was 10, um, I watched him die, which was really fucking tragic when I was a kid because that was my dad. Yeah. I have I have two dads and I have one mom and that's my grandma. My mom is not my mom. That's Amy. Um but my aunt, who's my mom's oldest sibling, she filled that mom role for me whenever my grandma couldn't. You know, I I bounced around from my grandma's house to my aunt's house, back and forth. My aunt never had kids. So my one of my sisters and I were her kids, you know, because my mom obviously wasn't going to raise us. Um And my grandma's old, so, you know, you don't want to put... My aunt wanted to help and didn't want to put all that on her, and then having us would be like having kids, you know? So if I would have left, it would have left my aunt and my grandma by themselves. You know, they wouldn't have had... After my grandpa passed away, my uncle... um you know, he was the only testosterone around, you know, everything kind of, my grandpa was a wonderful man, very respected in the community, could make gold out of anything, but he was very bad at managing money. So when he passed away, you know, he crippled our family just yeah, by not there being there anymore. Yeah, was nothing in plan. Um, so that all the, all of that weight fell on my on my uncle's shoulders, and it wasn't his responsibility, and he, and he stepped up and did a lot. But um, if I would have if I would have left, it would have just been my aunt and my grandma, and then they would have they wouldn't have had anybody to take care of, you know. And that that's they, that's why I always stayed here, and I've you always felt hated an it here.
1: obligation to them to keep them together, because without you it all could have fallen apart very right. easily.
0: Well, and and they they raised me when they didn't have to. It wasn't their responsibility. So um you know, when I got out of, when I got out of high school, my plan was to enlist in the military and go down the same path that my dad did and most of the men in my family have and I was going to have a long career and retire when I was 40 and smoke cigars and drink beer and you know, be retired. And then uh, right when I got out of high school, my grandma got really sick. My younger sister got really, really sick, almost died. So I, d- I decided to put my college aspirations on hold, my military aspirations on hold, and go to work so I could help take care of them. Um, yeah, when when I was getting ready to grad, well, my senior year in high school, my sister just started losing weight all of a sudden, and I figured, oh shit, Chloe's going through puberty. You know, she's, you know, she's a teenager. And then uh, one day, my aunt called me and said, "Well, Chloe's in the emergency room. Well, what's wrong with her?" Well, they don't know. And then, you know, later on, we found out that my sister had uh, juvenile diabetes. So, whoa, just overnight became a type one diab. Well, not overnight, but you know, none of the doctors had ever. Noticed any of the signs? Never had any, you know, not even no an inclination idea. that it was coming. Right. So, um, and then fast forward a couple years later, she's also got a a rare genetic blood clotting disorder that only like one percent of the entire world's population has. So like, she like almost it, died. It's from extremely that too.
1: clots. Do what? It, it like it has ex- the extreme tendency to clot. She, she's susceptible to blood clots often,
0: and they're in her lungs. It's always in her lungs. So so
1: she's got to be taking blood thinners constantly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. And
0: on top of being a type 1 diabetic, you know. So um, I've had nothing but good health, and my sister's had nothing but terrible health. Yeah. Gen- genetics are weird, man.
1: They are really weird. It's, I mean, it's interesting to think about because... You can never prepare for what your body is going to do before your body has prepared to do it. You know, right. it's just, it's going to happen. Like we're all on this path, and so, like some weird shit's going to happen to my body someday. My one of my balls will disappear or something. You know, <laughs> something strange like that, and I'll right. be like oh god. You know, Case it's, of the it's missing it's, nut. It's funny to laugh
0: about, but it is the it is the truth of it. You know, um, my good friend Travis that I that I did the Voice of Survival with. You know that that is normally one conversation that I, I I just know we don't talk about death and you know the end of our lives and shit like that because he gets really down and and paranoid about it and you know I say it now because I'm I'm the big tough teenager again it's going to come for us all it's a part of life but you know as we get older it's it's fucking scary to think about like
1: it, it is these vessels are temporary man yep they are temporary uh, me and uh, one of the guys I'm friends with around here uh, were talking recently, and he was like, "I feel like it's it only makes sense that that our like the essence, the human spirit, is being harvested from our from this vessel because energy is only ever created; it can't be destroyed. Right. So, what would the purpose of our bodies be? And I feel like if that idea is true, it's like everything you're doing, everything I'm I'm doing, are quote unquote karma points. Are building our overall essence so that energy when it's released does something. I don't know what the fuck it does. Goes to the sun. It makes us last for a billion years. Who the fuck knows? But um, to speak on that episode you did with Travis, man, that 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 episode got me. I'm I mean, and I'm sure it was hard for you to listen to that while you were talking to him because you are also very close to your father, and mm-hmm. his story is just like extraordinarily tragic. Yep. You know, extraordinarily. So it's just like um. Well, and it, I. I-
0: it it mirrors you know my my experience with my mom's dad because and and I'll I'll tell that story right now cuz it's the perfect time to do it so when i was a kid my mom's dad gave me everything you know i was i was another one of his kids and my mom's family is significant because and and part of the reason why i i have that mantra that no one will ever raise my kids but me the trend in the James family is have a bunch of kids and then give them to somebody else to raise them. So my mom's dad was one of like six kids, I think. And he, he, he was the only one that stuck by his parents and wasn't in trouble all the time. And, you know, he, he was, he was the responsible one. He took care of people and, so all of his brothers, he raised all of their kids. His sisters, he raised their kids. Damn. Um, and then my mom's mom, most of her family was killed in a car accident when she was uh, really little. So she was also, like, overly anxious about taking care of people all the time because she lost most of her family. Um. So, yeah, they yeah. raised, like, 40 kids. You know, not including wow, their own crazy. children. Those so, are
1: nieces and nephews. Yeah.
0: Jesus. So when I when I showed up, it was like you know it was just it fit right in.
1: Here's just another one we got to handle.
0: Yep. But I I was I was special because I was their you know I was their grandkid, so I was special first but grandkid. Uh yeah. Okay, I,
1: so yeah, you definitely have that's like that special rite of passage. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I'm the oldest, and I was the you know. My 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 middle sister was born shortly before my grandpa passed away, so I think she was four years old when he passed away.
1: So like Something old enough like to that. remember, but yeah, she, not she remembers old to him, really like.
0: And it, and it's it's sad when when her and I get together and talk about him because I got ten years, and she didn't get to do all the shit with him that I did, you know, and it, it's it's hard on her because. My grandpa was a cool ass dude. He gave me anything and everything that I could have ever wanted for, and took me everywhere. You know, he he owned all. You know, he owned multiple construction companies, and we would get up. He would get me up for school in the morning, and he would say, "You want to go to school today?" No. All right, get in the truck. You're going to work with me. And you know, I he, awesome. He was just a badass dude. You know, never pressured me to do anything, but he taught me everything. You know. Totally. Um, Never wanted me to call him grandpa. It was Papa or Bob, you know. Um, But anyway, so we were big involved in livestock, and I was pretty much all the way up until I started my first major career in life. But I begged him and begged him and begged him to saddle this pony that I had for me. And he didn't want to, and I kept begging him, and I kept begging him, and I kept begging him. And he did, and I rode that horse for like ten minutes, and I said, "All right, I'm done." and I made him do everything, put the horse away. My grandma was fixing dinner, so we walked back down to the barn and and we ate, and he's like, ah, I don't feel good, I'm not gonna eat and then he went and sat down on the couch, you know, and I'm just inhaling my food, stuffing my face, oh yeah, and I look in the living room, and my uncle is in there he yells to my grandma to call an ambulance, and I hear my grandpa say, I think I'm having a heart attack. And he'd already had two. Oh, so, shit. my grandpa had a heart attack when he was really young and decided to quit smoking. And then he had a, another heart attack in his 40s or in his, in his late 40s. And then he decided to get healthy and lose a bunch of weight. And then uh, that night, he was 67, he passed away on the living room floor. Oh, and man. and for a long time, I blamed myself for it because I made him do all that shit right before he had a heart attack. So it was like I was the straw that broke the camel's back. But that for a long, you know, I it's still really tough. I, Easy I don't to mind put ta- that
1: guilt on yourself as a kid though.
0: Yeah, I, I
1: mean, don't mind.
0: Ta- I don't mind talking about it because I've. Uh, I've accepted the fact that it wasn't my fault. You know, it was just, it was his time to go. You know, when, when you're, when your heart has already failed twice, you know, it's, it's statistically rare for you to come back after a third one, you know, there's people that do it, but that's not normal. Um, but I, I basically watched my dad die, you know, on my living room, in my living room floor. So that was, I, I, I didn't go to school, I think for almost three months. That's fucking I, traumatic, right? genuinely. And I remember, I remember there were kids at school that were talking shit about me. Well, he's just staying home, so he doesn't have to go to school. And it's like, I look back and think about it now, and it's like we are a shit fucking species. You know, yeah, we are. We are a no t- compassion. The best fucking thing that could happen to this planet is if our species was eradicated from the earth. <laughs>
1: Very you know, I love being alive. I
0: love having kids and procreating and doing all that shit. But the best thing that could happen to us or happen to the earth is if we were just gone.
1: We're pretty awful things.
0: Yep. But we can also be.
1: I think that's the one lesson I always say is I want to just I just want the world to learn compassion. If you can see other people's viewpoints, it helps you to appreciate everyone's viewpoints. And then you can understand the bigger picture. I Right. Think.
0: Well, you have to be, you have to be willing to look at other people's viewpoints to start with. I think that's the biggest problem, you know. Because if if you and I, you know, as different as we as we are in, in uh, or how how much differing our views are, if you and I sat down on a sat down in a room and we weren't allowed to leave that room until, you know, we saw the bigger picture of each other's lives and opinions, for us it wouldn't take very long. But for most, I give people, us twenty five minutes, right? But for most people, it would take days and days and days. And it goes back to what I said: you cannot change someone's beliefs.
1: Wait a minute, time out, back up. If we're gonna sit in a room and we can't leave until we hash out the bigger picture, are we gonna record that as a podcast? Because if that's the case, we need to go at least an hour and a half just so it's awesome.
0: Probably, and we're both gonna be stoned too.
1: Okay, okay, I'm into that. Yes, please, right. let's do that. Yeah, I, that's like I, the perfect scenario. I
0: really wish I could, man. Because I know. It, it helps my anxiety so much, and, and it's fucked up that we can't have a plant.
1: Well, you know what's interesting that you say that is uh, I just read today, very important because of where you live currently. I'm not in your state. I'm a state over here in Illinois right now where you know, medical is legal, and they're on the way to fully recreationalizing, so it's not really that big of a deal. But apparently Canada legalizing recreationally is going to fast-track Indiana to, as being one of the next states. why why is that tied together you know i had the article up to read on the show because i was going to ask you what your opinion was on it and i'm not sure if my phone saved it let me see it was on the normal facebook page well
0: while you're looking for it i'll just go ahead and lay my opinion out sure continue on the the benefits are you know infinite for for marijuana you know the issue lies in it would hurt the tobacco companies, and it would hurt the textile companies, and it would hurt the paper manufacturing companies. That's where all the issues are. You know, there, there's there's really only two negatives to using marijuana. In men, it slightly lowers sperm count, and you get a little bit of smoke in your lungs, which is not good, but you don't have to use it that way.
1: No, you can, you can do it can in a fucking whole bunch of different ways. It. You
0: can fucking rub it into your eyeballs. You can do it however you want. Uh, you can refine it down to where it's literally just liquid THC and fucking do it that way, and you're still getting all the same good shit. Um, but what what boggles my mind, you know, obviously, like I said, I support it. What boggles my mind is we as a society are trusted to rec- recreationally use an extremely addictive substance, and alcohol, oh, outside yes. of our working hours. But we are not trusted... To use something that is not addictive outside of our working hours, our time. So I have this big hard on uh, with the modern workforce and industry where, <clears throat> say, like it's uh, Subaru is the perfect example. When you hire in at Subaru, you're told plan for every day to be a 10-hour day, and you'll never miss an appointment or anything that you're doing. And that, and that, that, that's a good, good motto to have because you can, you can't work any more than 10 hours unless you volunteer for it. Um, I'm sorry, but Mr. Fu, Mr. Fuji at Subaru, anything after 10 hours, that's my time. Hell yeah, T- 10 hours and 30 seconds. That 30 seconds is my time. That's 30 seconds cutting into my time. Um, so no one, in my opinion, no one on this earth has the right to tell me what to do besides me anyway,
1: with your time,
0: but especially with my time, time is something that's very important to me. And it's why I have the opinions that I do about teachers and how they're overpaid because of the time that they have. We, we only have a finite amount of time. Money is an imaginary thing. It's it's an imaginary concept. It it holds no value. Truly holds no value. The American dollar means nothing. All so currency if you're gonna means tell nothing.
1: Me, do what? I said all currency means nothing.
0: Gold uh, okay. I'll 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 pick out gold specifically. Gold is like the best electrical conductor on earth. Fact. So, so gold to me has value silver and copper and platinum and palladium and all that shit that to me has value because it's something that can actually be used. The cotton banknotes that we have that are green and, and have a bunch of strippers ass cocaine on them have no fucking value at all. Cause it's an imaginary thing.
1: All of the stripper ass cocaine. Right. You're Right too. It's gross. Right. Don't lick a dollar. No, hell no. You might get HPV from that dollar. That's
0: right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, so time, time is, uh, is so much more important to me than money. That's why I left my previous
1: job, you know, per, it, the, the Subaru count as previous, uh, prior to Subaru. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Which we're going to get there too. Okay. So real quick, before we leave the topic of cannabis and, uh, what's been going on, this is the article. I found it. So now that the Canadian Senate has approved legislation of marijuana for recreational use, uh, State Representative Jim Lucas, he's actually a Republican out of Seymour, believes it will expedite the process on lawmakers legalizing it in Indiana. I would hate like hell to think that we're basing our freedom and laws off of Canada, but you have a country that's just north north of us leading the way on an issue that so many Americans are overwhelmingly in favor of. He just said that uh, Canadians are the canary in the coal mine. When you look within your own country, we have 29 states that have medicinal marijuana and nine with recreational. Uh, it's coming our way. This is something that is going to happen. So he's going to push for that shit to happen. Cool. It, so, it's, it's some it's something that it, it needs to happen. You know, we we need... Th- the end of the war on drugs? <sighs> it,
0: man, the, the war on drugs is something that... that
1: whole nother podcast should we save that one
0: (laughs) i I could dedicate an entire podcast to that because i've voiced my my opinions on uh our war on terrorism right now we are in afghanistan for one reason that is to control the opium trade
1: oil oh opium yeah you're right opium is
0: the biggest one afghanistan is the number one producer of opium in the world they they eclipse all of asia which is a is is a marvel
1: to I'm just curious in America just can you answer me this question in America what's the leading like cause of death per drug overdose isn't it opium yes isn't that the most fucked up thing right. we're sending american soldiers to fight and possibly die for a substance that is ultimately going to kill american citizens
0: but it makes money that that's the, the, capitalism It's it, see that's the that's the fucking bad thing about capitalism man all we care about is money you know and I, I just don't like isms period you know i'm not a big You're fan an of isms. kind of person yes um but so we're there to control the opium trade because we we control the war on drugs we finance it we fuel it yada yada on so on and so forth um but we also have the largest phar- pharmaceutical industry in the world. We have the the highest population of people uh dependent on the pharmaceutical industry in the world. Um we have to have it. That's why we went there. Yeah. The oil you- and uh I think they have I think they have like a huge lithium reserve, I think. Afghanistan, I I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Afghanistan Thank you. I think Afghanistan has an enormous lithium deposit somewhere out there in Makes the sense. desert full of shit. But um, the the opium is, is the important part of it. We don't give a shit about the resources. Those are just a bonus. We're there for the opium.
1: Okay, so back at it. Uh, let's see. Where were we at in your journey? Okay, your grandfather Bob's passing. Mm-hmm is a traumatic experience. Yep. And there's something that okay, at at thirteen it wasn't the same. I'm not this is not the Peter Quill comparing dicks and what tragedies we've had. Right. But um at thirteen I know that experiencing death in my family by my uncle being killed by a drunk driver, it was extremely traumatic to me. And to this day I have PTSD stuff from that where I am affected by the littlest thing can set me off, you know? Mm-hmm long-term now that you're an adult and you've, you've lived actually more of your life without him than with him. Are those long terms for you still there? Because I feel like you were, I mean, being at the heart of that situation, being right there on, like in it, you were in the fucking thick of it, watching it go down. It's gotta be impossible, right? I mean, there it's, it's an impossible thing to escape. I can't even imagine how you did it. Um,
0: so it, it's kind of corny but like you, there's been a couple movies in the last decade where people talk about loss and they say, "Well, I can't remember their face." You know, it, it's it's a corny thing from a movie, but for a long time, I think I just repressed it all. You know, when I pretty much from that time forward I was just an asshole. I didn't give a shit about anything. Um, You know, I carried that anger from my mom and my dad not raising me and everything that was going on in my life. Losing him. um, Troubles at school, you know. Excuse me. I carried all of that forward into high school. And then after high school, I was just a terrible fucking person to be around. I was a fun person to be around but if you didn't fit into my status quo i shit on you you know i my dad my dad says that our family has this ability to hurt people's feelings forever and i fucking did <laughs> that's awesome i you know yeah. i was i was the billy madison uh
1: amazing reference
0: but you know you know when he becomes an adult he starts checking people off of his list that he reconciles yep. with and and admits to being a shithead and I, I had to do that a couple years ago. I had to reach out to some people because, you know, though there was a lot of people that I was very kind to and I I, I was very uh, supportive of when other people weren't. I was a fucking dickhead to everybody all the time, and that's part of the reason I did organized sports because I could I could let out a little bit of that frustration in a organized manner and, and not competitive getting, manner. Yeah, competitive. Yeah. Um it it was tackling fuel as Bobby Boucher would say. Um, yes.
1: Oh my God. You with these Adam Sandler movie drops. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> Number two, water boy. I was a teenager, yes. man.
0: That's, I was ready for the chlorophyll, but, um, so yeah, I, I, I was just anger that that's what it, that's what it did to me for a long time. And I mean, you can ask my wife right now. Up until about a year and a half ago, I was a fucking terrible person to live with because any little thing at all that didn't go my way would just, I mean, it was like dropping a, a nuke on somebody. I would it just explode. It was. It was just pure yeah. rage all the time.
1: Uh, I think that that is definitely repressed and bottled up things that you probably are learning as an adult to deal with. Mm-hmm. Things you're having to come to grips with as you grow older, and the, there's no as we were discussing off air. There's only so much time; time is limited, mm-hmm. so you have to just like kind of prioritize. Okay, I've got to get my shit in order, so I'm not feeling this way constantly. It's interesting because I feel like I know we aren't that far in your journey yet, but I feel like in some ways podcasting has helped you break away from that as well. A little like bit, it's beca- kind of. A little bit because. I-
0: I always have something to say about everything. You know that as well as anybody that does that listens or watches the show. Um, I can talk about anything and everything all day long. I I love to speak. And it's not that I like to hear myself speak. I like being the guy that doesn't have the popular opinion. You know, especially yeah. with nerd culture, I'm normally the guy with the incredibly unpopular opinion, but I always have I always have reasons to justify it, and I'm that way specifically because of one person. There was a guy that I worked with at Tate and Lyle. He was kind of my mentor, and I'm still friends with him today. I'm actually gonna hang out with him on Sunday, but uh, he told me very early on in my career there that we all justify what we do. And he would tell me that whenever I would get mad about something or, you know, he was always the guy that I would vent to or go to for advice. And he would always start with, we all justify what we do. That doesn't make it right or wrong, but we all justify it. And it took me a long time to really buy into that. But something as simple as that is we all justify what we do. Okay, that's that's a pretty cut and dry statement. But... If you think about it, it's like think about all the decisions that you make every single day that without even thinking about it, you justify it. You just make the decision. You know? I'm gonna drive an extra mile and then put gas in my truck instead of stopping right here where I should and just put gas in it. That's something that's
1: fucking weird. I did that today. It's incredibly trivial to think about
0: but I mean that that's the perfect example. Like, oh I'll just do I'll do this in a minute. You justify it you don't even know why you're justifying it, but you just do without doing it. So, um, going, so from high school into college, dealing with all the the stuff with my grandma and my sister and getting them healthy and on track. Um, I, I just kind of did some odd jobs and did what I could do to draw a paycheck. And then it was like, you know, it's, it's time it's time for me to be a real, real life adult and uh, get a job that might be a career. You know, at, at by that time, I had put my military aspirations aside because
1: of was, Skyler. I, let, let me ask you a quick question about the military aspirations. Would you say that was your like your dream, like some kids dream that they're going to be basketball players or astronauts or whatever? your whole life growing up, your dream was to enlist.
0: Yep. And And that gets
1: brutally taken away from you. Right. Um, Like unfairly.
0: And that's the way that I looked at it at first. Um, And through all of Skylar and I's trials and tribulations, I actually blamed it on her for a long time because I started dating her in high school. She stuck with me through all the bullshit and she's helped my family out a lot. And, You know, I paid I paid for part of her school and we've always leaned on each other. And then it was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm finally ready to enlist. I got back in shape. I was ready to go. I'd met with a recruiter and she's like, well, I'm not leaving. And, you know, that was like
1: other people having control over my life all over again, like it fucking sucked. A totally different situation. Um, before we move back, okay, I'm like I'm all over because my brain's on two levels here, and I'm 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 like I have a million questions for you. Go ahead. So we're gonna take the final. I think this is the final part of the puzzle from ten years old to to your your growing up ages. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that's happened to you, situation with your mom, situation with your dad, your grandfather, everything. At any point, are you a buy-in of religion? Were you a religious person? Oh, well, yeah. You... So
0: when I was a kid, um, my mom's family was not religious, and I, I've got a I've got a funny story to tell. When I was when my parents were still together, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a funny story. Um, sure. So my dad was raised Catholic, uh, Irish Catholic family. Uh, so like Roman Catholic, except we kill people. Kind of okay. shit, you know? Brutal. Um we live on alcohol and misery. Potatoes. Right. Um <laughs> <and> misery, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Gotta tell my kid night real quick. Night, sweetie. Oh. But uh so my dad was raised Catholic. Um and I was confirmed Catholic later on in life. I don't buy into religion now. But So after I was born, my dad took my mom and I to get me baptized. And he he was meeting with the Monsignor, who my dad has reconnected with later in life. He still lives in Augsburg, uh, lives not far from... The base that I was born on has been decommissioned, but everything's still there. The parade grounds are there. Everything's still there. I want to make a trip back because of all the traveling that I've done, I've never been back to where I was born. I've been all over Germany, but I've never been back to Augsburg. So I want to take, when Ruby gets a little bit older, I want to take her there. So, you know, it can be that cool thing like, hey, this is where my dad was born. You know, I've been to where my dad was born. That, that weird shit. And it's
1: not like a drive 15 minutes into Lafayette. Like right. it's actually like a kind of badass story. Like we're in fucking Germany right now, by right. the way. Um,
0: But so my dad uh, is, is, and my mom are meeting with the Monsignor who's a really nice guy. I've I've actually talked to him a little bit uh now that I've become an adult, but and he's like, "Okay, well, you're you're obviously confirmed Catholic. You know, I'm I'm fully uh okay with baptizing your son as long as your wife uh confirms Catholic." And my wife's like, "I ain't fucking doing that." Or my mom, I said, "I ain't fucking doing that." And <laughs> the monsignor i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he he's a super relaxed guy like uh-huh. you know my mom's in his office dropping f bombs getting hostile with him and he's just calm cool and collected and um uh, my mom's got like a mini skirt on and shit just fucking looking like trash my my dad explained the story to me and i'm sure it's a <laughs> little bit skewed exaggeration to get the point across but you know, my dad says, basically, the Monsignor and my mom just start going back and forth, and the Monsignor finally says, you know what? If you're not willing to become to become Catholic, you don't even have to go to church anymore. All you have to do is go through the class and then go through Bible school for a couple of weeks, do another class, and then fucking dunk your head in water and be Catholic. If you're not willing to do that for your son's eternal soul, then basically you and him are both going to burn in hell, and now you can get the fuck out of my office. What you know? he said that to yep. her?
1: Yep. Oh, that's fucking. So rich. and the,
0: you know there my dad is. My dad, my dad is very much like me. It, I am a carbon copy of my dad. I'm just a little bit better looking, um, but you know he's like, what the fuck do I do? So I ended up getting baptized later on, but it's like, my mom fucking just condemned me to hell. Like what the fuck is going on? I totally you
1: know, get the piece of shit reference right you know I obviously wow. was
0: I obviously was a little little kid, but so I got confirmed Catholic later on i did I did all that shit, and then, as I started to get older and then with my grandpa passing away and all the shit that I was going that I was going through when I was an early teenager, I, like a lot of people, I had faith I reached out to God and i I was never answered, and it was like. You know what? I'll do it myself. And, Very Thanos of you. Yep, I'll I'll do it myself. And and I get this I get this because I was raised from my grandpa my by my grandpa. My grandpa was a self made man. Everything that he had in life, he earned it. Everything that I have around me right now, everything that I've accomplished in twenty six years, I have earned it. I've never had anything given to me. I've worked for every single cent. So. When when I when my faith was tested, and I said I'll do it myself, that was it, you know. And then as as I continued in the, on the journey of considering myself more and more of an intellectual, you know, I believe that there's maybe something out there, you know, there might be, there might be an a fucking cosmic being like Dormammu out there that's fucking omnipotent and control. I don't know. I can't prove it. You know, nobody can prove it. Nobody can tell me that God does or does not exist. The only stipulation is, well, God, we believe God exists. I, I can't buy into that.
1: Well, I believe Santa Claus exists, motherfucker.
0: Right. You know, well, and that's, you know, that's
1: funny. And I mean, I've seen him at the mall.
0: Right. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> but, you know, you know like, it, Christianity is, it, and, you know, especially now that I'm an adult, I, I couldn't go back to the Christian religion because, um,. When I was a teenager, I uh, my first experience of something outside of Catholicism. I was dating this girl, and like most Christian girls, she was very promiscuous. But oh so yeah, was, and they I act was, like they're not fucking right. sluts. So I was I was dating this girl, and and she's like, well, you know, you, my family likes you. You know, my dad wants to ask you something. So I I, I came over to their house and I ate dinner with them, and, and her dad was a really nice guy. I still talk to him. And he's like, would you like to go to service with us in the morning? And I was like, you know what, sure. You know, you're you're going out of your way to to ask me to spend time with you when, you know, I'm the shithead kid that you know is fucking nailing your daughter, but you're okay with it, you know. She's going to burn in hell, but you're okay with it. Um, that dick. Right? <laughs> but uh, so I agreed, and uh, I, I asked, you know, is this traditional service? Is this are we doing 10 o'clock service? How are we doing? And, and they were uh, Christian, you know, non-denominational. So we said 10 o'clock, be at the house about 9, 9.30. Okay, no problem. So I get up the next morning, get ready, I shave, I put my suit on because Catholics, we wear suits to church. And, uh, you know, I show up to their house super early and I walk in and they're all in their pajamas and there's kids running all around the house. And okay, cool. I'll just kind of, kick back and wait to leave and I was I was talking to to her older sister and we were having a good time and he's like all right let's go and they're all in pajamas still no shit all of them wearing fucking pajamas they might as well have been wearing onesies and here I am wearing a suit I mean full two-piece suit like the whole shebang Um, you're
1: definitely on a place today junior uh
0: yeah so we went to we went I went to church with them I was the only one that wasn't wearing pajamas um at the entire church in the entire church, they were all wearing pajamas.
1: That's um, kind of a fucking cool religion. Uh, sign me up, pajama I mean, church. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I don't know. Religion's a formal thing to me. It, it's 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 the Catholicism. You gotta you gotta look your best when you're at church
1: because it got to be a sharp dressed man for God.
0: Pride, pride is a terrible thing, but you have to have a little bit of pride when you're when you're asking forgiveness for snorting that coke off that stripper's asshole the night before, you know. That's a cool Back thing the about Catholics. Asshole. Jeez. That's a cool thing about Catholics. All they gotta do is go into a box and say they're sorry and then all is forgiven, you know? Um, but anyway, so one of the things that, that bothered me about Christianity or at least non denominational Christianity is they sing and they dance and they do all that weird shit. Mm-hmm. And her and her dad's a really cool dude and I have a lot of respect for him, but you know he's up there and he's singing and dancing and strumming the hell out of that acoustic, and I'm like, man, this—I'm used to like Gregorian chants and and you're quiet in church, and you know we get drunk afterwards and make and talk shit about each other. Like this isn't this isn't church to me. So we we split up not that long or not long after that, and then I went to another church here in here in Lafayette that's actually a cult. Uh, Whoa. I think it's a cult, but, uh, so I Man. walked in, I walked into like an afternoon service and I sit down and, you know, everybody is, is well-dressed and everybody looks clean cut and like, you know, what a normal, a normal group of people would look like. And, uh, all of a sudden they start talking in tongues and rolling around on the ground and doing shit like that. And my the smack aunt, on the forehead. Yep. All that, all of that shit, you know, the cyber demons, um so i went with my aunt and her friend my her friend asked my aunt and i to go and you know i basically got drug along but you know i i looked at my aunt and i said i can't do this and i went i went and sat outside on the curb until it was done i'm i'm not gonna i, I don't do that holy roller shit
1: don't subscribe to that i i ain't uh, about I- that life I dated a girl who was a went to Bethel Church. Oh, and uh, her brother was at the time thirteen years old and had never spoke a word in his life because he was really, like, like very, very autistic. You know, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's doing pretty cool in life now. Like, he's like twenty five or twenty six and still good, but cool. still has never spoke or anything. And, uh, man, this dude was up there giving a sermon at the church one time and I'm with this whole family and they're like, when's Justin going to talk? They asked him and the dude comes up and he says, I'm going to tell you right now in two to three weeks, your son's going to say a bunch of words. And he smacked this lady that was my girlfriend's mom on the head and she fell over, you know, and, and, and was all like writhing on the ground. And I'm like, bull fucking shit. Yeah. Two to three weeks later came, he still wasn't talking. And I went bullshit. I call fucking full blown. No, you should not smack a lady in the head and tell her her fucking autistic kid is all of a sudden going to be cured cuz it's not fucking science. The
0: power of Christ compels ye.
1: Not no it doesn't. It I does yeah, not.
0: I don't I don't Part so, of the reason I have a problem with with modern religion um uh, just specifically Christianity is because it's a business. You know, 100%. There's no there's no reason that Joel Osteen should be fucking raking in millions.
1: A tax-free business, no Tax-free less.
0: business, thank you. Um, I should not have to spend money to support, to, to have faith in God. Um, if God has the expectation that I have undying faith in him, then that should be the only cost, or the only price that I pay.
1: Exactly. You're, like, pledging your soul to your creator mm-hmm. is is real and the concept that you have to give these other people who are upholding his word money to make it real mm -hmm. is fucking bullshit. It's literally criminal. It's the most brilliant criminal scam that's ever happened in our country.
0: And, and there's, there's, uh, there's church, there's groups of, there's, uh, what's, I'm going to, there's shepherds with flocks that legitimately give 30 plus percent of their income. And they live live in poverty so they can get into heaven. That is fucking insane.
1: Fuck that. Give me a nice ass sofa.
0: Right, yeah. (laughs) You know? I mean, and, you know, I'm not a materialistic person. I don't think that we all should hoard money, and I think we should be smart with our money, but um, I'm not fucking giving somebody 30% of my fucking yearly paycheck because... They say that if I do that, I'm going to get into heaven. I'm sorry. I'll take my chances. Like I said earlier, I'll do it myself. I'll fucking climb the stairway to heaven, and I'll fucking bust the door down. I'll get in myself.
1: Kick St. Peter in his fucking teeth.
0: Yep. Ki-i. I, uh, Truly, honestly, I believe in Odinism. Okay. I vibe uh, that. And... All father. Uh, yep. And I believe... My, my dad and I had this conversation not long ago and he said, you know, I like to I like to think about that, too, because that's that's our heritage.
1: I could see. You. Oh, lovely drop of heritage. Yeah. Nice. But,
0: um, you know, if you put yourself in that time period and you're wanting to explore and, and take those perilous journeys and you're you're needing people to sign up for you or sign up to go on that shit with you, what's the only way to get people to go? Well, if you die while you're out here, then you'll get to go to Valhalla and then you'll live forever. Otherwise, you'll go to the frozen place called hell with all the old people and the women. Um okay, I'll take my chances. You know, I'll have everlasting battle for life, you know. So sure. That's There's always a ploy to religion, but with at least with Odinism, uh I can buy into it a little bit. You know, it, Odinism it gives me something is built on nobility. For. Yeah.
1: 100% Odinism is built on nobility. My, okay, uh, so, oh, my
0: dad's mom passed away a couple years ago. And in her will, she had it written up that she would have a Viking funeral.
1: Fuck yes, that's and, amazing.
0: And my, my dad and his sisters gave it to her.
1: That's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like in my will. Truly I, will I,
0: I will go out on a funeral pyre pushed into a I, body of water.
1: I love that, dude same like that are, i kind of i kind of dig on this bio urn thing yeah i saw that? that
0: not long ago i think that's that's really really cool
1: like i'm like yeah plant my ass in a tree yep fucking a let Do me it. be Please. a tree you know reincarnate
0: yeah. me into that fucking tree
1: you know why because trees are long lasting man mm-hmm. and weathered and tested just we like the human not we wouldn't soul. be alive without them exactly hell you yeah know? we wouldn't be got to create that uh, oxygen. Okay, so I'm going to back up with the religion one last thing, and then we can move forward into the more of your story because we're getting closer here. But uh, now that you're a parent, you're a parent, and religion is a thing that is coming at your child in all angles. Mm-hmm. Your schools are going to do it. Your preschools are going to do it. Everything is going to try to find a way to preach that good word into your child. Where do you stand on that and how... I I guess do you protect her against that, being that you're intelligent enough to know what it is? Or are you going to just be freedom of choice, do it your own way? So when I was in school, and and that's, you know, I'll I'll backtrack
0: a little bit real quick. My dad agreed for me to live here because, obviously, I would have a good home life because of my grandparents. But at the time, in the 90s, Lafayette was... Uh, very rural, extremely low crime rate, very good schools, uh, good job outlook, so on and so forth. It it was the complete opposite of what it is right now. Lafayette is a fucking shithole now. Terrible education system, drugs everywhere. I heard there are like meth
1: heads that are literally like dying on the streets.
0: Right. That's Um, fucked up. All the convenience stores are getting robbed pretty much every day. They have a circuit that they hit about every week. Like, I'm going to get the VP on Tuesday. You go ahead and get that sit-go on Wednesday. Uh, we'll circle back around. We'll get the Valero on Friday. Um, that's kind of what it is in Lafayette now. But anyway, so when I was growing up in school, I didn't have religion thrust down my throat. My throat. It was, you know, there's supposed to be a uh, separation between church and state in our government, even though we don't have that. Uh, like most of the shit that our government's supposed to not do, they do. But um, I can honestly say that I never once in school... Was forced to buy into any religious doctrine that I that I didn't want to listen to. You know, totally. I can't say. And when I was in high school, it was the same way. Uh, we hardly ever talked about religion at all, which was one of the positives from my high school experience. Um, you know, when I wanted religion, I just went and picked a girl up from Central Catholic. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was a shithead, dude. I could talk my way in and about out of anything, but uh
1: golden tongue, got to love it. I
0: had it, man. And I was a lot better looking back then, but um so fortunately, we found a daycare. Uh like most daycares it's very expensive, but we found a daycare that is it's just a school from from infancy all the way up until they get to uh middle school. The daycare will actually take kids. So the cool thing about Lafayette is besides one school system, you're, you can send your kid to any school in, in, in the city. So There's
1: not a, like a district-based thing.
0: There is for one school system, but all the rest of them are open to anybody. The only caveat is you have to provide transportation for your children. So the daycare that we are sending Ruby to... All the way up until she's in middle school, they will actually bus her to and from school as long as we drop her off there. Wow! So and yep, which is really cool and kind of justifies the expensive cost. But you know, they help potty train and they're actually they're actually teaching shit at school and not just you're gonna play with toys for an hour and then you're gonna take a nap and then you're gonna play for play with toys for another hour. You know, it's an actual school um, and it is 100% religion free. That's great. Um, you know, when Ruby gets a little bit older and, and she gets curious like I did and, and she wants to explore religion, um, you know, I'll, if she wants to go to church, I'll go to church with her because I can assure you that my wife will not. My wife is 100% anti-religion. Um, so I, I would say I'll, I'll let her make her own decisions and uh, any of my... Uh, other children that I may or may not have, um, future use, yeah, future me's. We should all we as we as as just human beings should be free to make whatever decisions we want as long as that's not harming somebody else. That's why I have so many problems with Islam. Um, you know you have you have an entire region of people that are uneducated being sent to holy man or holy men who are slightly educated the people who can't read the quran are told what's in the quran which isn't what actually is in the quran and they can't feed their children but they keep having them so the holy men say well send your boys to the madrasas and we will make them warriors of god and then you don't have to feed them anymore we'll take care of them and i'm i'm not going to get I don't hate yet Islam. yet another podcast. I I don't hate Islam. I've had people tell me that that well you're just Islamophobic. No, I'm not. I I I see. I don't look at the world through rose colored glasses. Afghanistan specifically is a very undereducated nation. Totally. It's it's poverty level. No education. People are starving to death. They're raised of, in fear. Right. And then when you when you are an adult male in, in Afghanistan, it's like, yeah, I don't really want to feed that kid anymore. And this guy says he'll do it, and then I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then if I want more kids to work so I don't have to work, I can have them. So it, it's it's just a bad situation, which we could help, but we're there for opium. We're not actually there to help. <laughs> so, exactly. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole any more than I already have. It's but I'm okay. not Islamophobic. So- Like I always say on Podcastrophy, do your own research, do your own opinions. You might end up agreeing with some of the shit that I have to say.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting because you don't come off as a hateful person. I just heard you say your opinion and you didn't get hyped. You didn't raise your voice. You didn't get energetic or try to push your agenda. You came at me with your word, man. And that's, again, back to the respect thing. We're just kind of... Right. Going back to that respect thing. Like well, and
0: I've I've actually had um, throughout my travels, my world travels, I've met some very um, very devout followers of Islam and had very very interesting conversations with them um, about the you know all of all of, all of modern religion is basically the same same religion. It's the same business model. Christianity's getting dollar bills and Islam's getting. Uh, warriors of God and and Judaism's doing a little bit of everything you know we're all doing the same shit um but I've I've had some some really interesting conversations with people and my my dad so my dad did three tours uh overseas um outside of Bosnia and Kosovo so he did three tours in the Middle East um two tours in Afghan or two tours in Pakistan one tour in Afghanistan and the first time that my dad went over there, um, he said, you know, we've got to go over there and help those people. Cool. Be safe. You know, come home safe. Um, don't do anything stupid. My dad comes back, and I talk to him about it. Because um, my dad and I are very open with each other. If if My dad doesn't open up to a lot of people, but if my dad has something on his chest, he'll talk to me about it. And that's why I continue to do the same to him. Um, but the second... He was getting ready to go for his second his second tour of duty, and he said, you know, I still think we need to help those people, but there is a lot of fucking bad people over there. And um, his third tour in Afghanistan, um, he watched a group of terrorists hijack a bus full of kids, of children, and drive that bus into an em- embassy and blow it up. So, 30, what 40 kids fuck? on that bus, you know, just <clears throat> poof, gone. Um, so, after he came back from that tour, he, he, he's he got PTSD pretty bad from a lot of the shit that he saw. But he said, you know, there's, there's, hard, there's no good people over there anymore.
1: It's and, just and the to, culture.
0: Well, and to see my dad go from extreme optimism to slightly less optimism, but still we're doing a good thing, to there's no hope pessimism left. all hope is gone it's like to do that to a guy like my dad that's some serious shit so
1: totally okay so we're gonna get back into your story now and i you're you're you've abandoned religion you're kind of girlfriend to girlfriend in high school and being kind of as you say a shithead. Uh, as she's been uh, featured verbally several times on Podcastrophe, when do you meet Skylar? How does that go down, uh, and and does that meeting her start a cycle of change in you? A, l- a little bit. So I met Skylar
0: my senior year in high school, first day of school. Um, I had I had no I had known of her. Um, one of the guys that I was kind of buddies with was dating her at the time. And uh, you know, I had I had never thought anything about it. I had just went through two back to back, really kind of shitty relationships, and I was single. You know, first day of school, you got to be single on the first day of school. You never Play know what's gonna happen, right? So I'm sitting in uh, a class called Mav TV. It was like our news and broadcasting class. I was an anchor and an editor and shit like that. So. This four foot eleven girl in like a cheerleading outfit, cause there was like a pep rally shit that day or something. She had her cheerleading shit on and walks in and I was like, whoa, who's that? And then I introduced myself immediately and she wouldn't even fucking talk to me. And I was like, alrighty then. So like three weeks later, I already I had another girlfriend again, and I was. Like, I wasn't the most popular guy in school. I was friends with everybody, and I obviously wasn't the most att- attractive or athletic guy in school, but I I I was involved in a lot of stuff, and I always tried to make friends with everybody, and, and like I said, unless they disrespected me, and then, you know, I wanted to kill them. Um, but uh, I started to get buddy buddies with one of her friends that was in the class, and I was working towards uh, hooking up with her, and then... I started to become friends with her and then we we just get started to get to get to know each other better and the guy that was dating her at the time was a total fucking dickbag. And one day I, right after I was recently single again, I said, "You know what? Why don't you just break up with him?" Well, I don't want to or I you know I want to, but you know, we'll just He's get got back my
1: CDs. To- I don't want to give up my CDs.
0: Right. <laughs> we'll get back together and blah 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 blah. So I just I just kept working it for like 6 months. And I had like random girlfriends throughout that time, but you know, I was just I was just working it every day and her she would like run and talk to her friend like when I wasn't around and stuff about how you know, how much she wanted to be with me, but I was an over or I was an upperclassman and you know, I wouldn't ever give her the time of day. It's funny how that shit works out. But finally, I, I talked her into breaking up with that guy. And then, like, three weeks later, we started dating. And, uh, all but, like, three months, we've been together for almost 10 years.
1: Damn.
0: Yeah, we're married. 10 years now. is I tough, man. Yeah. Been together for a fucking decade.
1: It's a long time. Yeah, it is, man. It is a long time. You know, and you guys are different people than when you first started this. Yep. Okay, so. When you guys first got together, you said all but, like, three months. Uh, is it like uh, – I don't I don't know how, how to word this. Is it like rubber – like, you guys are just stuck together constantly, always doing things together. You, like, bonded as – you essentially fused into one being.
0: At first, we did, for sure. Um, you know, we dated for, like, three years. So, I graduated in 2010. She graduated in 2012. Um, we didn't move in together until 2014. Yeah, 2014 is when I finally moved out of my grandma's house. Um, I was working at Tate and Lyle at the time. She was going through school. Uh, I was still helping my grandma do a bunch of shit. And then once she got on her feet, I finally flew the nest. Um, so we moved in together. She was still going to school and then, you know, once we lived together, we finally realized that even though we like to do a bunch of shit together, we also like to be completely by ourselves. So, that fast forward to where we're at now, that's why I bought the house that I did because it has two separate living rooms. Nice. So, so when it comes time, I can go do my thing and she can go do her thing. And part of the reason, you know, I have to give her credit because... I. You know, I said it at the beginning of the show. I'm an asshole. Um, but the five year, the almost five years that I was at Tate and Lyle, I was very difficult to live with. You know, I was getting basically three hours of sleep a day, working 12 to 16 hours a day, with shitty fucking people that did nothing but stab me in the back when I, you know, I extended the hand of friendship, and they would shake my hand with one hand and stab me in the back with the other, and I. I I I brought all of my work stress home which created stress at home and then I would take all of that stress at home right back to work and it just compounded and I was miserable um but all but that during that time period that's when we separated for a short period of time I came home one day to our apartment and I basically just told her to get the fuck out I couldn't deal with it anymore um I needed to be by myself Because I, I was, I was being so, I was basically cancerous to her. I was making her life miserable, so I didn't want to do that to her her anymore, so we separated for a short period of time, and then a couple months later, we got back together, and then we've, we've, you know, we got back together in September or October, So I I went to my, that year that we separated, I went to my dad's for the 4th of July. I was there for nine days. Did a lot of thinking. I was going to get back in shape and I was finally going to enlist and and I was going to go do door kicking shit and I couldn't do that with her and I was, you know, I was a cancerous person and it's like, you know what, It's, it's time we just went our separate ways. So I came back from that trip knowing that, you know, it was time to end it and we did. And then, a couple months later, I I had met a few people and I had casually dated a little bit. And I I obviously wasn't over her, you know. I'd been with well, I'd been with somebody for six years, seven years at that point, so I was still emotionally attached. And one day, I I I had gotten some of her mail and I needed somebody to watch my dog, so I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, when I go to work on nights, will you come over and feed feed my dog? And she's like, Yeah, I'll do that you know just being nice and then we were right back right back into it shortly after that so
1: it's interesting because you uh you said a thing that is for real seven year itch Mm -hmm. happened in the seventh year things it's weird how relationships are tested the hardest in the seventh year right like it's it's just strange i mean like sarah and i have been together 11 years the seventh year easily the hardest year Mm -hmm. easily you know I it just it's it's a mind fuck because mm-hmm. you think it's a joke but then you hear everybody else talk about it and you're like fuck it's real man like what is up with that I don't I don't quite understand so Look. you guys get back together you're you're still at Tate and Lyle for a short time longer there
0: yeah I was at Tate and Lyle for pretty much two more years after and that
1: even during that are you realizing it's the job that's made you toxic
0: a little bit that's that's when it started um because originally when I started there I was on C team so they have they have four teams of people uh in two different parts of the facility there's only 200 people that work there there's 20 people on a team and then management and all the other shithead people that don't do anything um but I was originally on C team I had an opportunity uh to move to A team so I was a part of the A team for almost 2 years um a guy on a team who was one of my good friends at the, at the facility reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, we have an opening. I know you're miserable where you're at. Come over here with us. It'll be better. And, and for a long time it was. And then, uh, it goes back to my abrasive personality. My, I was always told by my mom's dad, say what you want to say, say what you mean to say, and don't fucking care what anybody else thinks about it because your opinion is the only one that matters. And that's good advice to an extent, um, because it goes back to what my dad says about our family, is we have the ability to hurt people's feelings forever. And when you work in a really stressful environment like that, and you're with the same people all day, every day. Um, the last two years that I worked there, each year I worked a 1,000 hours of overtime, Um I was doing my 12 hours, doing four more hours, going home, showering, taking a nap, and going back at midnight to help with projects and shit like that, and then working another 16-hour day. Um, I was burning the candle. You know, the whole candle was on fire. It wasn't just each end. Um, the entirety of it is just yeah, a flame. The, the whole fucking candle was ablaze. Um, you know, and I was trying to do all my hobbies that I enjoy, and... I was trying to devote time to her and to my family. And, you know, I wasn't getting to be around for holidays because that place runs 364 days a year. Um But then, you know, that old guy that I said told me we all justify what we do. He also told me that you can only step on somebody's dick so many times before they stomp on your dick. And uh that's some of the best advice I've ever got because I was very abrasive. Um It's a different management system there. It's really hard to explain, but you basically don't have a boss. Um, You are your own boss. So when you're in a meeting with corporate people and you're you're you represent you. Yep, and you're voicing unpopular opinions. The team, the other 19 people on that team, are supposed to have your back. But if you're doing what I was doing and you're saying, you know, really off the wall stuff like we need to organize and bring the union in here. You're not very well-liked. Um,
1: oh, shit.
0: So, towards the end of my time there, um, you know, I finally came to terms with, man, this job is killing me. I had gained a bunch of weight. Like I said, I was only getting three hours of sleep a day. I was sick all the time. I was pretty much sick all year long. Um, you know, my depression was getting worse and worse. My anxiety was getting worse and worse, which was making everything else worse. Uh, making my attitude at work worse. I was negative all, and the, the that's the bad thing about working in a manufacturing environment. When you have a group of people that you work with every day, all day long, and they're a group of negative people, you quickly buy into that, even if you don't want to. Um, so makes I was it already, easier. yeah. Well, it, it yeah, it just makes the time go by faster. You know, you you have that camaraderie again if you're if you're not the positive person, then you fit in. Um, which is not my the type of thing that I normally would do, but you know, a man can only take so much and I you know, they basically broke me.
1: Um, and it's interesting to note before you move on here, <clears throat> working a night shift at a place, working the graveyard shift is it is psychologically more taxing than you realize. We're meant to be asleep when it's at night. Like our species, needs rest when it's dark out, and needs to be active when it's light out, it's just like how we're programmed, so when you burn the fucking whole candle, and burn it to the fucking ground, and you're working late, your mind starts to fuck with you, man, everybody becomes your enemy, I know, and it's a fucked up thing to happen, because even when you're watching it, and you're like, these people aren't my enemies, they're my fucking friends, or my family, or whoever, they become a problem, because they're not living your reality you That's right uh, without even knowing it have switched realities and it's it's hard it's fucking hard to come back from that like for real
0: and what made it worse is i was switching from nights to days every three days
1: oh so, yeah and man. There would no be, way there no would consistency. be
0: consistency there would yeah and there would you could never get used to it you know we worked four to four 12 hour shifts so i would have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to be at work at four o'clock um and, you know, in 2014, I worked from November to March without having a day off. And at least half of those days were 16-hour days. Um, it just it, it just broke me. It wore me down. And then I, I finally started to realize that I was in a toxic environment. And I was just a number, and the place didn't give a shit about me. And then, you know, then I found out that that we were going to have a kid. And it's like and so backtrack a little bit. Um 20, 2015 or I'm sorry, 2016. I proposed to my wife, my now wife on Valentine's Day and we consummated that engagement and we made our kid that day. I've pretty much Whoa. got it I've pretty much got it down to that day. Um, science. Science and shit uh, sometimes it do be like that. But, uh, so we found out we were having a kid and then, you know, I told everybody that I worked with and I scheduled, scheduled vacation around the time that, uh, the due date was, which, you know, they, they were working with me. They said, we know this isn't going to be dead on. We're going to let you change and move your vacation, whatever. And I was like, you know, cool, I'm with a good group of people, they're looking out for me, they're they're making sure that I can take care of my family, you know, this is a good environment, um, so fast forward to November of, uh, 2017, or 2016, um, my wife calls me, I had already worked one night, I was on my, I was getting ready to, I was getting ready for work on my second night, um, I just got out of the shower and She calls me and her, the doctor's office that she works at is right above her OB's office. Mm -hmm. So just right up, right up the stairs from each other. She calls me just to say my blood pressure spiked again. They're taking me down to meet with my doctor. They're probably going to induce labor. And I said, okay, cool. Text me as soon as you know, and I'll let work know. And then I'll be there. So she texted me like five minutes later and said, yep, we're having a baby today. And I said, okay, I'll grab all the shit and I'll be there. I called work and I said, look, this is what's going on. And the guy that I was dealing with said, okay, man, don't worry about it. We'll start your vacation today. Um, You know, you'll have one extra vacation day at the end because you already worked a day. And, you know, don't worry about anything. Forget about this place. Go be safe. Let us know if you need anything and i was like man that that feels good uh fast forward to while my wife is in labor uh i shut my phone off i turned my phone back on i had 41 missed calls from my work saying that i needed to come in and go to work what yeah uh, my oh. fucking wife's in labor and you're telling me that i need to come fucking to work that's bullshit it's fuck how can you how can you say that and I have the mentality that family comes first. Work is a secondary thing. If you're telling me that I need to put work in front of my unborn child, then you can fuck off. And that day was the day that I knew I was going to leave that place. And then coming back from my vacation, they were trying to strong arm me and, and you know.
1: Hold on. Let's not back. Let's backtrack a little bit here. Wife's in labor. Skylar's in labor. You turn your phone on. You you have forty one missed calls. Do you call them right away? And are you like, hey, fuck off, my wife's having a kid? Nope. What's I just the resolve there? I just ignored what, it. I just, just turned my phone it. back off. Like as, as if they never called. Fuck them. Yep. Brilliant. That's what I would have done. Same exactly. Because
0: the the motto at Tate Lyle was if you if you're on if it's your day off and work calls you you screen that call. Because they can't force you to come into work if you don't answer the phone. Yep. So I already had that mindset, like don't answer the phone. That's why. I, that's part of the reason I turned it off.
1: Um, just in case.
0: Just in case, because you know I had that feeling in the back of my mind. I guess um, there's
1: confusion. Did this guy not relay the message, or did they just not care? Or? They just didn't care. They didn't give a shit. What after they told you they cared? That's awful.
0: That's the that's the people I worked with. Um. So fast forward, they're, they're threatening to fire me and everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just done. I fucking quit. And then fire I fire me. Yeah. No, fire.
1: you can't. Cause I'm quitting.
0: That's right. So then I left and went to, uh, I took, I took like three weeks to just kind of relax and get over the fact that I just left a very lucrative career but I did it for the good of my family and, you know, because uh, my daughter was born in November and I lasted until May and, you know, I worked a shit ton of overtime in that time and I was watching my daughter grow up on my cell phone and it's like, this ain't fun, fuck that. Right. Yeah. You know, I couldn't get up at night and help, you know, if Ruby was crying at night, Skylar had to get up and do it because I was only getting three hours of sleep anyway so, I can't go to work. It, and it was a dangerous job, too. I can't go do a dangerous job, job on an hour of sleep. You know? It's a miracle that, that I could do it on what I was doing it. So, that made me feel like even more of a piece of shit because she's having to do everything. Um, So, I just, I fucking, peace, I'm out.
1: And I you went to Subaru. It. Okay, so, the three weeks that you're off is the first day of not doing fuck all, the weirdest experience for you? It was actually... Well,
0: see, n- normally it would have been, but I was used to having days off during the week when I wasn't working a bunch of overtime because we worked that three-on, three-off rotate.
1: Gotcha, yeah, 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 So
0: it was just like, oh, man, I'm not supposed to be at work today. It was just like one of my days off that I rarely had. So I enjoyed it. I, the... um
1: so I guess really by like day five is what I should be asking. How were yep. you at day five?
0: Day five hit me pretty hard. It was it was a roller coaster of emotions. I was fucking mad at them. I was mad at myself. Like, why did I let it get to this point? You know, what the fuck am I gonna do? I just bought a house a couple months ago. I got married a week ago. Like, what the what the fuck did I do? You know, it it fucking that that. That month fucking sucked.
1: So you're the the living meme of that dog in the house on fire. Yes. Everything is fine. Everything is just fine. Right.
0: Like, yep. That was me. One hundred percent
1: to a T. Uh, so you're 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 you take three full weeks off. As you're doing that, obviously you're not really off because you're looking for something else. Yep. I was looking and for another job. And you find that Subaru has a temp opening. And the course of history is forever changed. Yep because if this moment doesn't happen in your journey, this conversation isn't happening. That's right. Fucking weird. And it's even weirder because now, I mean, we're here in 2018 and Subaru is officially just going to be a pit stop for you.
0: Yep. And and I knew I knew I I pretty much knew that it was going to be anyway. So, backtrack a little bit to when I got the job at Tate & Lyle. Um I had already gone through all of the the, the same staffing agency that I'm now leaving, I had already went to them for a job once before. I had figured out what my hire date at Subaru was. Uh, the electrician's apprenticeship that I'm getting ready to start on Monday, I had been accepted to that. I had been accepted to the iron workers union. I, I had been accepted into that apprenticeship. And then I got the call from Tate and Lyle all in the same week. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do what can make me retire the fastest and make me the most money, and that was Tate and Lyle. Um, and then it's funny how that works out because I leave Tate and Lyle, I go to Subaru. Now I'm leaving Subaru and going to the electrical apprenticeship. That I, all of those things, I could have done any of those from the start, and here I am back at the start doing it over again, but actually making the right decision this time.
1: Yeah, and, and now you're going to—because, I mean, at some point, you're going to become a, a like a journeyman of yep. doing all of this, and that's a amazingly lucrative career that you can mm-hmm. take anywhere. Yep. You don't have to live in Indiana to do that job. You can live on the coast on California.
0: Well, I, I am a big fan of the Gulf Coast.
1: Ooh. If I
0: could be anywhere on the Gulf Coast, I would be happy. My wife, unfortunately, does not want to leave. She's getting— more excited about the idea a little bit later in life, but right now we're we're here. We, fed up and in Indiana.
1: Here. Do what? We're fed up and in Indiana.
0: She loves it here. I fucking hate it here. I always it's have. a prison. Yep, it's a prison on it, planet bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfectly said. Uh, so, okay, you've had a kid. Yep. How, uh, I, we, you know, I've had a lot of people who are dads on this show and I've had like Chris from Kids for Sale on this show and whatnot. I
0: love their show.
1: Their show is fucking phenomenal. I love the their Just show, man. Shout out to them every other Friday opposite this show on the Journey into Comics Network. Uh, Cheap Pop. But, uh, I don't think I've actually asked the question of like mentally and emotionally what was your daughter's birth like for you? Like, feeling the change that you've brought life into this existence like you've created something that now will have to experience a totally different journey than you and you can't change that
0: so when 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 skylar called me and said hey i'm i'm going to have a baby today you know it was i was running i had literally just woke up like 45 minutes before that and took a shower after I had worked all night the night before. And I, I remember I had a really bad night that night. Um, So I grab everything and I pack everything up. And I fucking haul ass to the hospital. You know, I might as well have had a police escort. Because I'm fucking hauling ass to the hospital. And I get there. And it's like, alright, when's the baby going to be here? Probably tomorrow. Okay. Anxiety was fucking at 11. And... Now you just knocked me back down to about a four, but I'm I'm still fucking freaked out.
1: Like your adrenaline's pumping, but right, you're told you that know. it's only a three.
0: So um, they dosed her with Pitocin pretty much all night long, but they weren't giving her enough. So I've talked about my fucking qualms with the medical industry enough. I don't need to say any more on this podcast, but... Check um, out
1: Podcastrophe every Thursday, folks, on the Journey into Comics Yeah, you'll Network, hear you'll Tyler hear me, me fucking talk about the medical about industry.
0: That. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so they weren't giving her enough pitocin, and then all at once they gave her too much pitocin, and it's like fuck, bam, the baby's gonna be here now. And then, um, Skylar was Skylar had her naturally and was struggling a little bit, so uh Skyler's OB decides to hook this suction cup thing to my kid's head. And I'm like, that head is really, really soft. Why are you hooking shit to it? I don't I don't like this. So she okay so there's a little suction cup thing and it's got like a three foot long steel cable on it, braided steel cable. And she's putting all of her body weight leaning back trying to fucking jerk my kid out of my wife, and it's like, this is already terrifying enough. What the now fuck Now it's a is fucking happening? horror movie. Well, the fucking suction cup pops off my daughter's head and hits the doctor in the face. Fucking so, a. that's hilarious. a, l- a little, little bit of comedic relief there, but, so, before that part, you know, I'm holding my wife's l- leg, and I'm staring at the wall. You know, fucking men in the 50s had it good they didn't have to watch childbirth they got to sit in the li- in the fucking waiting room and smoke cigarettes um Is it
1: done yet doc yeah right um bring my so, boy to me put him in so, my fucking arms
0: so i'm i'm holding i'm holding the leg and i'm like eyes forward do not look back there you don't want to see that and at one point the doctor said something to me and i looked at the doctor and i just glanced down at what was going down on down there and i looked right back up to the wall <laughs> everyone in that room stopped stopped what they were doing they quit paying attention to my wife and they said sir are you okay and i said yep i'm good they waited like that for a good 5 minutes just to make sure that i wasn't going to pass out
1: cuz you've officially seen some shit
0: i've seen some shit now <laughs> you know people people say that childbirth is a miracle that that was not a fuck uh i I want to have more kids. I don't want to witness that again, because that was fucking terrifying. Nightmare. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Ruby comes out healthy as can be. Uh, All of the doctors that my wife saw said that Ruby would be no more than, like, six pounds. She was an eight-pound, 11-ounce baby. She was a Whoa. fucking tank. Um, but healthy as can be... You know, babies come out, and they're this white, creamy color, and it's fucking weird. That's um, how it all it, starts. Right? <laughs> but it was, just, it was just a fucking... It was, it was such a cool experience because it's, like, terrifying, and then you're you're at the top of the spectrum for being terrified, and then all at once it's just pure joy because, all right, she's here now. And, you know, there was more comedic relief, too, because the midwife that was there, like... Grabbed the umbilical cord, shoved some uh, EMT shears in my hand, and she's like, "Here, cut this." And I go to fucking cut the thing, and it just bends the blades over. Oh sh! So I had I had to like, you know, in my mind, the Benny Hill theme is playing oh, while I'm God. trying to cut this fucking umbilical cord. But you know, we got we only had to stay in the hospital for a day, and and Skylar wasn't that that worse for wear. And you know, there's this cool thing called the Daddy Stitch, which which I recommend to everyone. Um... They, uh... (laughs) They renovate that shit. Make it, like, 2.0. But, anyway. Um...
1: You've officially thrown yourself off track. This is amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had to. It's important. People need to know about the Daddy Stitch. I did not know about it. And it's a great thing. There should be billboards for that shit. Um... But, yeah, Ruby, Ruby was healthy, no no issues. Um, we The nurses came in, like, that night. So, Ruby was born at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning after we'd been there since, like, 3 o'clock the previous day. Um, and they came in there that night, and they're like, okay, you know, trying to teach us how to be parents, which you can't teach somebody how to do that shit. You just got to figure it out. Um, and good luck. Right, yeah. Make sure they're breathing, feed them, make sure they're not covered in shit. All right, check, done, we're a parent.
1: Um, it's good enough.
0: Right, well, you know, at first, that's really all you, you're doing. You know, you're not doing anything um, other than that, than then survival instincts, you know. So, uh, the nurse came in that night, and she's like, okay, do you want us to take her to the nursery? And my wife's like, Sure. You know, let's get some sleep. And she was in the nursery for like 30 minutes before my wife had her brought back in there. And I don't bl- I don't blame her. I didn't want her to leave either. Um, You know, I felt like days of our lives, somebody was going to break into the nursery and steal my kid and swap him with like a pug or something. You know, you got to throw the humor in there. A pug? Yeah, my wife loves pugs.
1: Okay, like a, like a baby pug or like a full like a, just like an adult pug, just just, just staring. a
0: nasty fucking pug.
1: I think Frank the pug from Men in Black.
0: That's that that's my wife's pug's name, Frank.
1: That's amazing.
0: Named after Frank the pug in Men that's in Black. That's even better. I fucking love it. Hate, God, I hate that dog. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so we we made it out of the hospital just fine and made it home and we've been raising the little shithead that I have for a kid ever since.
1: Cool. It seems like you guys are doing a swell job.
0: You know, a lot of people say that parenting is the hardest job that they've ever had, but it's like, you know, obviously Ruby's not a teenager. I've dealt with that a little bit with, with my middle sister. You know, I was I was trying to be the father figure for her for a while, and that wasn't fun. So I'm a little bit prepared for that. And then you know my wife still acts like a teenager half the time, so I have to be her dad too, which is fucking weird. Um, but uh, there was
1: a sexual joke there. I totally passed on yeah, it. So well, sorry.
0: I, I, I set you up for it on purpose. I figured you would, but uh, well, um,
1: pick your shots. Pick your shots. So we're a little classy here today.
0: I'm classy. I'm I'm prepared for that. I think when we get to it, but like Ruby Ruby started walking extremely early. She started. Uh, talking extremely early, um, she's above above her age group and everything. You know, neither my wife and I aren't very neither one of us are very tall, but Ruby is one of the youngest people in her daycare class, and she towers above everyone. Whoa! So, I think that she might have got some of that that Swede that's in my jeans there somewhere. She might be tall. So,
1: giant netics. Mm-hmm.
0: But she's it, she's smart, and it, it's so cool. Te- you know, I, I've talked about it on podcast for a lot. I wake up every day and the one goal that I keep every day other than not kill everyone around me is... Um, Good goal. Right. I mean, everyone should have that goal. Fair um, enough. But it's, it's to learn something every day. I try and learn something new or relearn maybe new information about something that I had previously thought. You know, like simple shit like... Why is Pluto not a planet?
1: It's fucked up. I don't trust it.
0: Well, I mean, there's there's good science there on why it's not a planet. There's other shit that's bigger than Pluto surrounding Pluto, and it's not a planet. You know. Um, that's true. You're but right. anyway, not to get off off not not to get into the space force. Yeah, I don't want to get for into a the whole another. We have right like now.
1: literally a whole another podcast to do immediately with all these other topics we could discuss. Right. Um, but I, I wake up every day
0: just trying to learn something new every day. And, and I've tried to kind of do that with her like every day. And and it's awesome because she just, she doesn't want to sit in front of the TV. She doesn't want to play with toys. She just wants to read books. And that's how I was for a long time when I was a little kid. So, you know, I've, I've tried to read her a little bit of the Hobbit and, and obviously I read her all the kid books and shit, but you know, if you don't pay attention to her for for a minute, she gets quiet and then you look down and then she's reading she's trying to read a book to herself. That's that's extremely rewarding for me. Being yeah, a parent is cool, man.
1: You're uh you're a, it's cool because you're able to have self-reflection on like shit you did as a kid and also go, "Oh, this is a cool teachable moment where I can like I was a little shithead that did this thing, and maybe my parents didn't know how to deal with it and didn't think of it as a teachable moment. Right. I can now instill a different view and value right now and like make the world a better place. Uh, but we're going to fast-track a little bit here. So moving forward, you and Skylar obviously have Ruby. Everything's going swimmingly. You're working at Subaru. When do you get introduced to the word podcast? And was that like uh, before you met the Subaru crew or... Cause that's JIC training grounds. I'm not sure if you're aware, but our like yeah. JIC proving ground is Subaru. unofficially. I, uh, I,
0: I had been a fan of a lot of sports podcasts, uh, before I started this part of my journey. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm still really into athletics. Um, I'm not very athletic now, but I still love sports. Um, and you know, the, the big stuff like Joe Rogan's podcast, I've always liked his podcast. Um, not so much for Joe, but he he got he's got some really interesting people as guests on his show. Um, you know, I rewatched on YouTube Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, like episode nine forty nine when he had him on.
1: Oh, that's so good! That's such like that's like the I think they did like two hours and fifty minutes or something. Yep. It was a long ass show.
0: Yep, they talked. They actually you know they had to they could have kept talking, but they had to stop because he had a plane to catch. You know, he had a red eye he had to get to. So, such it, his guests really shine in that. So, I've always enjoyed his podcast. Um, but, like... So, a little bit of backstory. I, I know Mike previous to Subaru. I know Blaine previous to Subaru. Um, just through mutual friends that we had. Um, and I never really cared for Blaine... I never really cared for Mike uh, back then. And then, you know, I didn't recognize Blaine at first, but I recognized Mike right at first, and I, did, I didn't make it known that I knew who he was. And the first day that I was there, I was working with Brandon. We started talking about video games, and on our way out that day, he's like, hey, man, I have a podcast that I do with a bunch of other people, and it's really cool. You should check it out. You'd probably like it. And I was like, eh amateur podcast (laughs) you know not not because i'm above an amateur podcast just because you know especially at that time i was so busy you know i was starting a new job i didn't know where the fuck my life was going at i'm a parent i don't have time for that
1: shit this new guy is thrusting this thing in your face like he's a salesman
0: right um so fast forward a couple weeks and you know, I'm starting to get in with everybody and we're talking nerd shit and we're having good conversations and uh Blaine's talking about his podcast and he's talking about who he's going to have on as a guest that week and I was like my first impression of my my second impression of Blaine, you know, since I met him once before was god, this guy's a fucking douchebag.
1: Wait, that was the first or second?
0: That was the second impression. So the first impression of Blaine, when I knew him previous, was that he was a douchebag, and then the second impression was, yep, he's still a douchebag, Um, and you know, now we're best friends, but that's why you shouldn't judge people, folks, get to know people, Um, but, uh, so, Blaine and I got to talking, and we we started talking about music and, and all kinds of shit, and it's like, yeah, and he kind of hinted about me, maybe, maybe maybe me being a guest on his podcast, and I kind of play hard to get. I was like, ah, maybe I'll do it. See if I have time, you know. And uh, fast forward a couple weeks, and I was on that inaugural episode, and I had heard him tell Brandon before, like, I think I want Tyler to be my co-host, but I pretended I didn't hear him. And then one day he's like, man, I need a co-host. And I said, Do you want me to be your fucking co-host, dude? And he's like, Well yeah, we'll we'll plan for this like here. I really want you to be my co-host. And that day that day I pretty sure I told everybody, like, hey, I'm I'm Blaine's co-host now. So I, I brought the cat out of the bag, but so I never thought that a year from from that point on that I would be actually doing podcasts. I've always, you know, like I said, I've always had a lot of shit to say, but I've always just kind of kept it to myself unless I can trap somebody in a room and make them listen to me.
1: Hell yeah. But now you are, you're like full-blown in this, man. You guys do great shows. I love tuning in. People should definitely do that if you're not listening to Podcastrophy every Thursday. I don't understand it. And also you guys like do the live stream thing, which is innovative on the network. We don't have any other show that does it like that at all. You guys are... You make me jealous because that's what I want is to have that same kind of thing because I'm listening to your podcast and you guys are like, oh, so but so and so said this and let's react to him right now on the show. And I'm like, fuck, that's so cool. Like I I need that in my world, you know, so you guys are innovative and I love it. And uh, I've just it was really cool because you never know when people say, hey, I'm going to bring a new person into the fold of this thing, what can come of it. That person might have a whole different vision and make you not want to be a part of what you're doing, and you right. have a whole well, different you never, journey. Yeah, you never know what to expect. And so you coming into the fold, you know, I'm not really apprehensive because I, I – it's weird because I have been exposed to Blaine in small increments, so I never really got that, oh, this guy is a douchebag. I, it was kind of like – here a little bit, here a little bit, here a little bit, here a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, he's not a, he's not really a bad dude. He's just awkward as fuck and doesn't know how to handle it. Like uh <laughs> which is really what it is. Well so, work, uh
0: work blaine is totally different than outside of work Blaine.
1: Oh god, I bet too. He, he I has bet a he's totally he has a
0: totally different demeanor if it's not like what like if you work there with us, he would be the same, but like if he's interacting with people that aren't us, he has a totally different demeanor. It's fucking funny. It's funny to watch.
1: Shit yeah. But uh, it's just cool because Blaine brought you in and I've always just championed you as a podcaster because you are phenomenal. You know what you're saying. As we've talked about this whole episode, I respect the fuck out of you. Appreciate Um, that. So I'm just glad that you've shared your journey so far with us. And I feel like there are probably avenues we could travel down. Countless rabbit holes of stories and things you experienced in your traveling days which we can save for another one because we are rocking a two-hour and 11-minute episode right now, and it feels like it's been 15 fucking minutes. Yep. So, uh, I mean, is that kind of your life, too? I feel like you unintentionally always have great conversation that makes it go long. Like, I oh, Tyler's tend- on the podcast? Expect for fucking three hours at least. I, I
0: have a tendency to ramble, um, and I, I, hate, I hate that I do it because I always apologize for doing it, but like I said earlier in the show, I always have something to say about everything. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but now that I'm not negative and not mad about everything all the time, I think it is a little bit of a positive thing because sometime, you know, we lost Anthony Bourdain a couple weeks ago. Fucking um, sucks. Which is, which is tragic. We lost Chris Cornell and Chester back to back. We keep losing these really influential people in our lives um, too soon and, and the wrong way.
1: Bowie, Prince, and Lemmy.
0: Yep, yeah. the the fucking trifecta
1: there. Man, and that was in like like a four month time frame. Mm -hmm. Bowie and Lemmy back to back, and like two or three months later, Prince died. Yep, unbelievable. Twenty sixteen fucking sucked.
0: But you know, sometimes, I at least think in my head that maybe through my somewhat incoherent ramblings that. I talked to somebody long enough that it might have slightly diverted them from that path. A couple weeks ago on the show, you know, I talked about my battle, my battles with depression and anxiety, and how at one point, in my actually more than one point in my life, I was ready to end it. You know, I I had every intent, and then I, I came up with the idea that if I could just break it down into time. You know, time's a big theme with me. If I can go the next 15 minutes, then that means I can go the next hour. And if I can go the next hour, that means I can go the next five hours and eight and then 12. And then I can go a whole day. And then if I can just, if you can win those small battles and find someone to talk to, um, you know, find someone to talk to, find a way to to just, just kind of, I don't want to say cope because that's not the right word. That's not painting it in the right light. But if you can, you can find a way to justify just hanging on for a little bit longer. Then eventually you'll get to a point like me where it's like, okay, I've been where you're at. I can connect with you. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm not telling you why you shouldn't do what you set out to do. But here's why I didn't do it, and here's why I don't re- why I don't regret the decisions that I've made. I watched a pretty powerful video on Facebook yesterday and I shared it about a guy who jumped off the golden gate bridge and he survived. Um, he's one of like 30 people total who have made that jump and actually survived. And he travels around the U S now, uh, like as a motivational speaker. And he said the same, he, he said that the one thing that ties him together with all the other survivors, um, of the golden gate bridge is the moment my hands left the railing i regretted it so um suicide prevention is a big thing in my life you're you're taking the out for yourself and and that's that's great that you don't have to feel that pain anymore but you're causing so much pain in the act that it doesn't make it right
1: yeah the wave of darkness and pain that you'll leave everyone else can mm-hmm. become it can actually create a chain effect and cause other people to go down that same unfortunate yep. path. And, and, and you know,
0: if you survive, like that, that guy said, you know, it created so much strife in his family because now every time the phone ring or his dad's phone rings, his first thought is, is my son alive? You yeah. know, so it creates lasting emotional trauma for family that didn't have it initially. So, um, I kind of... Kind of forgot where I was going with that.
1: I don't. It doesn't matter because I agree with you that you know suicide prevention and and being able to talk about it and having discussions in the open about how people are feeling and whatnot.
0: That's where I was going.
1: It, if if, if it, go ahead, it matters. You know, mm-hmm. it yeah. is a thing that needs to happen because we as a society are already in a frail mental state by the Mm. way things are run and operated around us that we can't control, that are well outside of the reins of our control. So the best thing we can do is to learn coping mechanisms to survive. Well, and you um, never
0: know, you never know, like we, we go, we walk down the street every day and you never know that just by saying hi to somebody, that might be the moment that they're like, okay, I can make it a couple more minutes. You know, yep, absolutely. In, instead of instead of going over here and jumping off this bridge, I'm going to go sit on that park bench and I'm going to say hi to the next person that walks by me and, and smoke if, a joint. Yeah, right. You know, do anything, do something other than make that kind of mistake. And if if my incoherent ramblings can can deter someone for 10 more minutes, then then that's that's enough for me.
1: Man, I feel like I just keep lining up these really awesome interviews. Lauren was a great interview, and she has a great story of survival. Your story of survival is incredible. The things you've had to endure, uh, again, is unimaginable. Man, I just uh, loss is very real in my life right now. I'm going through some stuff, and uh, just getting your perspective is like almost um, it's almost calming. It's like, oh, well. It could be a fucking hell of a lot worse, and I'm lo- and I'm grateful that the situation I'm currently in is is as not bad as bad as it can be, whatever the fuck that means. It, uh,
0: it it's bad to say, but it can always be worse. You know, we, absolutely. We, you got to look 100%. for the positives in in every situation. So
1: totally, eternal optimist for life, man. That's the way I am. But uh, try to before we anyway. get. Be- yeah, try to be anyways. But uh, before we get out of here, as always, I'll do the plugs, let you guys know where you can check shit out. As always, you can get the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. You get this show, The Voice of Survival, every other Friday. Opposite Kids for Sale, also on Fridays. But you also get all the other shows on the network from Journey into Comics to Podcastrophy to The pull Rapport to Foodies Watching Movies to Adulting Ain't Easy and Brews with Dudes and this show. Uh, did I miss one? I feel like I missed one. I fucking missed one, didn't I? Um, no, 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 I
0: thought no, you no. got them all.
1: I think I got them all. I think I did it. Okay, cool. I feel better about myself because I was terrified that I ruined that. But, anyways, uh, you, you can also know always how bad I out. am at plugs. Well,. Nah, not really. Uh, you can check us out on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. We are now on Spotify. Search Journey Into Comics Network. You get all those shows, one RSS feed, a new show every day, every day of the week coming at you with exclusive content there, but even more exclusive content on our Patreon at patreon.com backslash journey into comics, where you can give us a dollar, get, exclu- get early access, or give us $3 get exclusive content and early access, meaning as soon as the podcasts are done being edited, they get right into your ear before release day. We do have a release schedule that's pretty simple, pretty basic and easy to follow. Some shows are every week, other shows are every other week. Basic. But we hope to see you guys there. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on today, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm
0: glad we we finally got to do it. This has been months in the making.
1: Months in the making, and also it's cool to know that we can definitely do this on any other kind of podcast we want and just be, it was great.
0: I definitely want to be on JIC in the next couple months.
1: How about there's this, Uh, we're going to just spoiler alert here, there's this event called Laficon happening. Yep. And for Journey into Comics 200, I was thinking about bringing all of these cool people who are part of my network to be a part of that show. Awesome. So, do you want to be one of my special co-hosts for the 200th episode of the show? Hell yeah. Good. Okay, great. It's a date. It's done. Fucking book it. It's there. We got it. Um, but anyways, folks, thank you guys so much for checking out this week's episode of The Voice of Survival, this episode 23. I have been your host, Nate. I've been Tyler. And thank you guys so much for listening. See you later.